Ladies and gentlemen, we are live, coming to you from Matt Buchanan Studios, brought to you by me, Matt Buchanan. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Matt Buchanan Studios and Matt Buchanan Comedy. Check the episode description for links to all of my, as well as my guests' social media handles. Quaco Inc. is the official sponsor of the show. Quaco is also the official sponsor of my upcoming book release, entitled An Explanation for Life, the Universe, the Brain, the Mind. And consciousness. Available soon from over 30,000 retailers in over 100 countries. Quaco is also the official sponsor of the hot new board game, 33 Degrees of Order and Chaos, coming soon exclusively to Amazon Prime. This is Laugh Therapy, and I am the Comedy Doctor. Stay happy and healthy, folks, and enjoy the episode. Standing on the edge now, but my heart never looks down. Breathe the oxygen in, yeah. Exhale all the tears out. And I know you don't believe me when I tell you that it's easy. Shout it out, shout your lungs out. And let me hear your voice now. We can free fall, we can free fall, we can free fall. That was my pal DJ Stoss and his DJ duo Rave Republic, the number one DJ duo in Asia, also featured in the Top 100 DJs Mag. You can check them out on Spotify and Instagram at Rave Republic. Oh, my sister, mean, my sister just responded here. Nice. <laughs> Featuring Nina. Hey, Sean. Each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we, I don't know if you were in the bathroom or not. I heard, overheard you, you heard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually that's, that's fantastic. Vulgar. That's wild, man. Yeah, so she was in the same lives move for several years. So, yeah, she uh, that's good for her. I'm excited. That's so cool. I I did see your last name. I meant to ask. I knew. I thought you know there's a chance, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so we're live, guys, and awesome. now we're on. Everything's rolling. So awesome. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. All right. It does sound better up there, but I can still hear you either way. And yeah, uh, we'll just—I guess we'll like whoever's talking. We'll just lean in. You can try, or feel free to move it around. I don't yeah. want you to be uncomfortable, yeah. you know. Or you can just talk normally since your voice is. But yeah, warm welcome to uh, Shaw and Thank uh, Marwan. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks uh, so much for being here. You got local comedians in Ottawa. And local Ottawa comedian producers, uh, as far as I know, one of the newest shows in town. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So just right off the bat, I, I do, why don't you tell us, uh, you know, what about your show, where the people can find you, and where they'll find you on social media and the like for yourself and your show and that. Yeah, they can, well, they can find us on, uh, if they just search The, com- the Comedy Market, yep. Instagram and Facebook, they'll find us there. Um, we'll post all our shows on there. We've run, is it three or four now? Three. Three? Uh, fourth one's coming up. Fourth February. one's coming up. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we've run three, I guess we've run three shows. Um, we've used, 
we use the Heart and Crown in the Byward Market as our main venue. Yeah. Um, but we are looking to branch out as well, put, you know, post shows at different venues and things like that. And maybe even run like a weekly show at some point, maybe turn the Heart and Crown show into a bi-weekly show. Um, so we're doing that kind of stuff. But for now, right now, it's it's at the Heart and Crown. It's once a month. And it's been sold out every single time. We've literally run out of chairs and had to turn people away. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, awesome. So yeah. it's been amazing. It's Congrats. Been, yeah. So far, you. that's good success. Which room do you do it in? The back room. The back room. Yeah. The back. So like where the like the big band would usually play. Yeah. So technically, okay. it's called Mother McGinty's. Um, okay. So they have like. I never. Yeah. I always just assume the whole thing. It's like my favorite bar in town. Actually. Yeah. I love that spot. Yeah. So I know it pretty well, but yeah. I didn't know if it was like a actually separate. The very the very very back. It's technically five pubs in one. Yeah, it's, yeah okay it's yeah, yeah so they each have their own they each have their own name that one's technically mother mcginty's mm -hmm. but it's all heart and crown yeah yeah right? right so yeah we uh so it's in that back room i guess it looks a little different like they probably pull some chairs in there during uh comedy hours i, I like guess you've only i guess you've only been when it's a dance floor huh pretty much yeah sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. so yeah they have t tables and chairs and stuff the the where the band plays, that's the stage. I mean, I'm probably not the only one. There's probably a lot of people right now thinking, like, how are they going to – everyone's going to stand and watch this show? <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. will stand and we fit 400 people. In yeah, that's the one way to cap it up. But... Yeah, no, I asked them too. I was like, what's the capacity? They're like, 400. I'm like, sitting down, what's the capacity? <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. half that for mm. sure. Quarter maybe. Yeah. No, no, what is the capacity? It's, you know? it's like we fit – we fit – we managed to fit like yeah. 100 or – hundred something the yeah. first yeah. show but they had extra chairs and stuff okay it's really like 80 mm -hmm. that's the real capacity. most comfortably and the yeah. people they perform where the band would usually be yeah yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 so they they perform there um and it's a comfortable vibe man like the a lot of the comics have told us mm -hmm. they they love the vibe of it it's just a cool nice. spot you know yeah. like the you got the stage. You got like neon lights on the okay, accents and yeah. stuff. It's kind of cool. Plus, people just like being there. Yeah, it's a. I yeah, like the bar. You so, know, like even if the yeah. show sucks, which it doesn't, but if it did, you're still at heart and crown. You're still gonna mm -hmm. have a good time. Yeah, it's good still beer, a good vibe. burgers. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can't lose. If three it's sold fun. out shows, it sounds like it's been you know, and then you're just there. I mean, it's a good place to be. It's a nice spot. You're there in yeah. the market, right? And you've been running them always on Fridays, right? To, no, no, when, Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Oh, sorry, because Fridays is is the is when it's a bar, right? Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fridays. Fridays is when it's mm -hmm. like a dance floor and stuff like that, right? So. Um, we can't do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday because it's it's a it's a it's gonna be yeah. already making lots of money and doing it. Yeah, doing and then they have yeah. a karaoke night and all that stuff. So we did it Wednesdays, mm -hmm. right? Which is not a bad night. It's the middle of the week, you know. You get over that hump or whatever. I guess it's hump day, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a decent night, and and so far, we've had way, a way better turnout than we anticipated. We thought. Mm -hmm. You know, they said they said if you can get thirty people in here, we'd be impressed, and we packed it, so we've more than doubled that. That's yeah. awesome. What yeah. uh, was your strategy moving into that? Like, did you, you put have this? to put in a lot of effort into getting people in, or was it regular patrons? Like, talk about that. No, we, a lot of effort. we had yeah. to put a lot of effort, uh, like especially that first show. When you pull it in a bit, maybe yeah, just sure. if you want. Now. Um, it's uh, especially that first show. It's like mm -hmm. that's when you have the most pressure. You're mm -hmm. just like, okay. Um, how are we going to pack the room? Mm, that um, was November, right? Yeah, yeah. November, November was, was the, the first, first one. one. Yeah. So 
we're telling people on our network, we're using Facebook mm-hmm. ads, Kijiji ads. Um, mm-hmm. We're tried making a post in like Ottawa Citizen. Um, I don't even know if that ended up going through or not. We're just trying out all these different kind of avenues. Um, uh, we're doing um, Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're pouring a lot of uh, money in all these in all these different channels. And it was really tough just because it was like we've never tested out any of these ads before mm-hmm. so we were like okay that's a bit of an experiment in itself right yeah 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 exactly so yeah. we weren't exactly sure what to expect mm-hmm. and we were hoping for like 30 to 40 as mm-hmm. well like the the venue was like yeah if you can that's bring a up good 30. and if you get 30 40 that is a decent show already that's yeah, a good turnout yeah, that, for a show it doesn't matter what a, it is. so if you get show. anything yeah. more that's a bonus anyways right yeah, to, yeah. in terms yeah. of for, for the comedians you know more it, generally i think comics would agree that the, you know the more people in the show the better just bigger laughs you know makes it a little easier for you so yeah, yeah 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 like yeah, like so. we we initially oh shit sorry man so we good. we initially thought that uh you know it was gonna be 20 30 people mm-hmm. and you know we would go up and like try out new material yeah. or something right and then it ended up selling out and stuff and we're like oh okay we can't do that yeah. now you gotta we gotta put on a good yeah, show yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah like we can't we can't just mess around yeah. right i was so. gonna, gonna ask more about that but before i back sure. to the social media stuff that you're doing because yeah. i think it's useful for other people who are doing similar things or trying to advertise their own stuff i've been trying to do this as well I, I put up some facebook advertisements and some instagram advertisements not for a show that i'm producing i will be doing that extensively for this uh, yeah. eventually but uh, just for my own comedy and, and just putting my own videos out there and that sort of thing, popularizing and uh, when I'm doing shows or when I'm going to be on or something. But so to that end, I wanted to know, like, what was your experience with that? Um, did it work as well as you hoped? You know, the type of reach, organic reach, all that kind of thing that uh, they provide on the back and that they tell you about, you know, was your strategy to target Ottawa area? Or did you do the comedy? Like, did you kind of tailor it with hashtags and that whole thing or? I guess I can talk about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because yeah. I I mainly did the uh, the ads because I'm in real estate, right? That's mm-hmm. my that's my day job. So I'm a, yeah. I'm a real estate agent, and a lot of our leads come in through online advertising, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I had a lot of experience with Facebook ads and with Google ads and all this kind of stuff. So I just took that knowledge and I applied it to um, to this event. Mm-hmm. Right, and it luckily ended up working. I didn't know if it was going to work or not, right? But that it was, was uh, other than word of mouth. That was like the the main avenue that you had, or like you didn't. Did you make a Facebook event per se that said you know oh, yeah. this date, yeah. so you could kind of get an idea that some people said they were attending or that they're interested and that sort of thing too. Absolutely, yeah. we yeah. we did yeah. we did Eventbrite, so we started okay. with Eventbrite yeah. and then linked so the, it fully could sell tickets right through eventbrite you did it or? yeah yeah Was you could it? sell yeah. through eventbrite or through facebook right so you link the eventbrite mm-hmm. to facebook mm-hmm. and then um, people can buy it through facebook if they just want to do that or they can link through to eventbrite and buy okay. it over there or whatever yeah. right so you think um, that was an advantage being able to purchase it online absolutely definitely yeah. most of our ticket sales were online so yeah but, uh, like we we so it already pre, out, pre-sold yeah, yeah we almost, almost sell out yeah. online yeah. there's yeah. only i imagine that must be a big point like a big selling point in this day and age if you could sell online uh you're, you're gonna probably be a lot more successful it just because you can get people to commit to stuff already yes. yeah, and then exactly. they put it in their calendar you know it's yeah and, not, they, and yeah. they they bring their mm-hmm. friends and all that kind of stuff yeah. you know 
So, the, I mean, now, because a lot of the tickets are selling online, the, the uh, audiences tend to be younger, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you go to a comedy club, like, I've, we've done shows at Absolute where it's been, like, 99% old people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas our shows are, are, like, mostly under 30, I guess, yeah. right? Around, I would say, like, um, 19 to, like, 35 is the most. Yeah. Most of what we target. There's Does a, that seem there's a to bunch. be uh, like same what you see in the demographics in the back end of the advertisement that too, like where it tells you like you seem to be getting a lot of like well males, females. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Age, but you know? yeah. but the thing is, it's it's mainly like the age. Males and females are are pretty evenly dispersed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some shows it'll be slightly more female. Some shows it'll be slightly more male. But it's pretty even. Um, it, it's the age that mm-hmm. you see a, a huge discrepancy in the 25 to 34 is the biggest demographic. But I think that's just because the, that's the demographic that's more comfortable with doing stuff online. Yeah. Right. Whereas, you know, someone who's 65, can they even turn a computer on? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. And yeah. I think it makes more sense for those. They think in a more old, old school way. If I'm 65 years old and I enjoy comedy, yeah. Yeah. when I think yeah. about that, I think about the comedy, you know, uh, clubs. So yeah. I'm thinking about Absolute. Yeah. I'm thinking about Yuck Yuck. So if I go out, I'm probably going to go there. I'm not yeah. thinking, well, maybe I should Google and see what new shows are in town. And now that I'm aware of what's there and, oh, okay, actually, I heard about that show on Instagram. They didn't hear about yeah. anything on Instagram. So yeah, they, they don't know, have like, Instagram. <laughs> exactly. So that right. kind of makes sense, right? They think in that old school. like Yeah. So take us from when, so the first one was in November, up until what point was it like July, August, like when were you starting to plan for the November one? Did it all happen quickly or was it a big, uh, were you really working up to it? We September, right? Yeah, we plan. we started planning on September and since then it was like, we started with like, first of all, the branding, like once we got the venue, it was like just mm-hmm. figuring out what the planning is going to be. We figured yeah. out what like, okay. Why don't you go to actually talk about that? would be interesting too. Like what, how you approach the venue and, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so me and Shaw both approached the venue. We were approaching a couple of different venues in mm-hmm. the market and we ca- talked to a couple of different ones and there was an Italian restaurant and a lot of them seemed pretty interested in actually doing like a comedy show mm-hmm. uh, but we were like you know it would be really interesting to see what heart a crowd's experience is with comedy shows so we went to talk to them and they've never done a comedy show it's uh, kind of surprising because right? they've been successful bar for a long time I guess. well maybe crazy. it's because they are always profitable bar that they haven't had to like look for <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah look yeah. for stuff they're already yeah. making money most uh Actually, when I was talking to Ken uh, last week, he was talking about how it seems, because he's out in Carlton Place, he does a show there, and he was saying, you know, uh, some of these people approach him when it seems like their business is starting to fail, because they're looking for like, oh, I need something new, I need to bring in customers and bring in money, whereas like there, I guess... They're probably great. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> yeah. they, they don't care at all. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they don't. It's 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 mainly it's mainly us doing the uh, doing everything right. Like yeah, they don't exactly. really help out at all. They just supply the venue. They and just supply the, the venue, food, and drinks, it. all that. That's all it, stuff, yeah. right? We're we're like some of the comics. They ask us, "Hey, you know, are they doing this or they No, they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all us, right? Yeah. Like we put all the money into yeah. it and all that stuff. They they literally don't care at all. So you got them as a, a venue in it's not necessarily an exclusive deal that you, you are able to, if you want to produce shows with other places, you could like, that sounded like what you're saying. Like your, your hope yeah, yeah, is yeah. not just to, no, 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 no. we wouldn't, we wouldn't sign anything show. exclusive yeah. to, to limit ourselves that way. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the whole point of this has never been to like prop up heart and crown. It's, it's just been to 
provide more stage time. Exactly. That's the yeah. whole point. Yeah. I remember seeing that on your first post that you guys made. Like, that was the excitement, right? The excitement was, we got a new venue. This is, like, look what, what we got going on. And actually, there's something else I liked about what you guys uh, do with your show. And some of the shows do it. Not all of them do. But you had listed, I believe, like, who was on the show, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, like, available and known. And I, I think I saw that, like, on Eventbrite. So when you go... And yeah, to some people... Yeah. If you don't know the comedians around town, it might not be as important, but it does give you a chance to look them up. If you're interested, you might go find them on social media. You might follow them if you're a comedian fan or a comedy fan. And then that same thing, you know, if, if you're putting out who's there, it's more informative for the people who are well aware of comedy and who do go to shows regularly and they want to see a specific person. Or yeah, I, I mean, I just thought from the, the point of view of um, if it was me, and they're like, there's a comedy show. The first question in my mind is, who's on it? Who's on it, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you don't tell me who's on it, it's like, well, you probably suck. Yeah. <laughs> we we want to know. Yeah. yeah. If you're if you're like hiding that, it's a secret, guys. We can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll find out. So. Or it's like a bunch of nobodies. It's mm -hmm. like, that's like the assumption, right? It's mm -hmm. like, why aren't they telling us who who's on it, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, thinking like, it was a mutual promotion, good thing to just say the person's name. I mean, as minimal as that, you know, just yeah, so yeah. now they know and people are aware and it gets their name out there as that person and that name is a comedian. Yeah. They're here in Ottawa doing yeah. comedy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. something that we started on uh, the second show, I think, uh, mm -hmm. we would give like whenever people would come over, we'd give like a bunch, a list of social media links of every comic that's performing. Like, the host, okay. headliner, that's cool, and all the comics. That's it's cool. like whatever social media links like they have. Like a little printout kind of, uh, yeah, of it. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, nice. Twitter, Instagram, mm -hmm. YouTube, whatever you have that you want to promote, uh, we'll give them uh, like a list of links. Mm -hmm. And we've had a couple of comics also as well tell us like they've gone, they've given us some good feedback. Like, hey, I just got a couple of subscribers. I got, mm -hmm. I got a couple of followers. So it seems to be Even working. Even one which is, is great. A, a good a good up you know and yeah that's cool i like that i see and it's a nice way to spread that promotion without forcing the comedians or having to you know have them plug themselves yeah. which is yeah. i don't have a problem with people plugging themselves either i think you know it's part of the business in a way but at the same time a lot of people aren't as comfortable to do that and you don't have to then necessarily plug them all orally you say what their name is obviously when you bring them on stage but then it just gives the chance to spread the social media, but not bring it to, you know, everyone's front and center attention. Well, what we were thinking was, you know, um, it's just a super easy way. It's it's not just helpful for the comics. It's also helpful for the audience, right? Because if they really like somebody, they're like, oh, who is I really like the third comic. Mm -hmm. Well, who's the third comic? I don't, point, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember who they are. Yeah. Well, now they just look down. It's like it's right there. And they can take mm -hmm. it with them if they want, you know. Yeah. Or they can just look them up right then. You know, people get followers during the show. That's right? cool. They do well. They That's get followers, cool. right? It's it's kind of a it's kind of a good thing. Um, but, yeah, we, we ask people, like, if, if the comics don't want to promote, some don't. Mm -hmm. Some literally don't want us to promote. So we won't put it if they don't want That's it. That's fine. Right? I guess so it's, it's up just, to them, right? Yeah, it's but, just uh, it's completely for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like it's understandable just because some comics aren't there yet in terms of promotion. Like they mm -hmm. still have kind of whether they want to figure out what their social media is. They don't really have yeah. like an, a solid identity yet or, or a certain brand that they want to kind of portray. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, I'm not quite there yet. I just want to 
get the stage time and then after that i'll figure that stuff out yeah you gotta build yourself up enough at some point and if you aren't necessarily going to associate it with like your personal social media and you haven't you know branched out to have your own comedy social media per se or, or you know to develop that personal brand then it makes sense maybe you don't want it to be advertised to everybody uh, some people might just be doing it for you know whatever reason i yeah. guess that makes sense right like like for me i i'm in real estate right so i have to portray one sort of image for real estate yeah i didn't necessarily want that to bleed into comedy or vice versa yeah, you're telling me <laughs> yeah right so um i had to sort of sit back and think like okay what what how do i even promote myself without mm-hmm. You know screwing myself on the other side of things right especially if i say something that offends somebody on stage or something like that for yeah. like for a while i was talking about people having kids and stuff like that so obviously anyone who's a parent they're going to be clients right but then they might hear a joke and be like oh well this guy's a dick yeah right yeah. but i mean i was worried about that for sure too just in general and then eventually i kind of grew out of that anxiety about that i guess i just was like you know what i don't care and uh, I do my best still to keep it separate in the sense of like I, I brand it differently and the, the way I am doing that I do my best to do that but at the same time you know when you're on stage you're doing that but I definitely was concerned about that at one point like what if I'm doing or saying something up here but then I thought about it, I was like you know what I'm never saying anything that's like so bad that I, I should be you know fired for it or something it's never anything that bad like i might say offside shit that's part of comedy and it's gonna be funny it's never that bad you know what i mean like and if you really thought it was that bad then fuck yourself so it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah like uh same deal with me like i've always said this to the guys like i'm not in this to have something huge or controversial to say like i'm just here to make people laugh mm-hmm. and if there is something where you know a couple of people come up to me later it's like oh i didn't like that you said that I'll actually think about it. I'll yeah. be like, okay, um, mm-hmm. that's some material that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not here to uh, uh, make people have a bad day. Yeah. Like, it's like they're coming to a comedy show to kind of forget about the shitty stuff that's mm-hmm. happening outside the world. Um, so uh, I'm the, not here yeah. to remind them of that. The so. audience makes the choice at the end of the day. They're the ones who tell us what is funny or what isn't funny. I might think it's funny, but if people don't laugh, I guess it's not, right? And you yeah. hope it is. But yeah. I, I tend to focus my jokes enough on stuff that... I think is just inherently funny. Like it, when I, by the time I get on stage, the stuff that I'm telling, unless it's like brand new stuff, I hope that it's stuff that it's so inherently funny. People are bound to laugh. Like it's almost like they have to, you know, that's uh that's how I try to approach it, which is clearly doesn't always go that way, but it makes you like at least, and then I'm not just doing like shock stuff and you know, something that would be so offensive or, Try to think it through enough. I'm thoughtful about it, I suppose. Plus, the other thing, too, is, like, if your joke is funny enough, even the people that are targeted, they sometimes they just can't deny it, right? Exactly. Like, like I've got a a Catholic joke, and then I have Catholics in the show that come up to me after, and they're like, yo, that Catholic joke was hilarious. And then I ask them, like, I'm like, is it offensive? And they're like, no. So, yeah, you know, it's a good joke. That's good feedback, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice that people do that. Yeah. But but I I was always worried about, just in general, you know, before starting comedy, I was like, oh, I don't know if, I don't know if this is going to, could it, yeah, yeah, you know, could could happen, yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. but then, but now I'm more comfortable with it, like, I tell people at the office now, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I run a comedy show, whatever, I don't really care anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's fine, I think, and you, you tell everybody, right? 
Yeah, like pretty much tell everybody that I do yeah. I do comedy. Like um, I'm a product designer and like um, I do freelancing uh, occasionally. And mm -hmm. uh, so I am was a little bit hesitant on the whole like, you know, mixing comedy and and my network kind of thing. But now I just tell lots of people in my network to be like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm doing a comedy show. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot of dick jokes. So it's not <laughs> going to be the professional version of me. It's going to yeah. be... A, a more looser uh, version of myself. Yeah. What about your girlfriend, though? <laughs> like your ex, your ex. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, speaking of my over ex, comedy. Right? <laughs> uh, so speaking of my ex, uh, I actually had uh, when I first started, I had this whole bit about my ex, mm -hmm. and I, I would just basically be making fun of her. And in the beginning, when I first started, it was like getting lots of laughs, and especially my first show. Uh, so our first show, both of us, was um, at Yuck Yucks the. Okay. Uh, new talent uh, showcase. Showcase, yeah. When was uh, that? Like last so, year, sometime. Yeah, for me, March twenty last year. Uh, for you, yeah, it was. Um, for me, it was March six, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Mar nice. I, I wish I remembered the exact date. My first show was also at Yuck X, probably the exact same stage in that yeah. basement there. But it was like twenty thirteen, sometime. Don't remember what the day was. I'd have to like, go back and look at it, but. 2015 yeah, 2013 oh 2013 yeah and maybe 2012 i honestly can't remember now it seems so long ago but but yeah, yeah um uh, so i i had this whole bit about my ex and you know the first show it killed people were loving it then i did it a second time a third time a fourth time and it was bombing like every <laughs> single time so oh, yeah. i i had to like really think that one through and be like okay what is it exactly that it worked the first time, why is it working mm -hmm. again? And I had to basically rewrite the whole bit and make it a lot less kind of mean. It was just too mean, <laughs> I guess. My and it was jokes, yeah. and you know she enjoyed it too. She thought yeah. it was funny, but uh, it was possible. Yeah, there's there's a line between like funny and mean, I guess, eh? or like funny yeah. mean. Or... I I think in the first show she was in the crowd, so you're like. The crowd was like, oh, and then you're like, she's actually right there. Yeah. Uh, right? And yeah. then she wasn't in the crowd, the other shows. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I actually, that's true. I think that actually that probably made a difference, made a huge difference. Because basically I had this whole bit um, where I'm making fun of my ex and, you know, people are laughing. And then the, for the first show, I actually point her out as in like, she's actually here listening to me make fun of her. <laughs> and people, it got like the biggest laugh out of mm -hmm. all my jokes. The other shows, she was not there. So I think because of that, people are like, yo, that's just mean. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. And I had to like, that's when I had to like rework it. And that bit now is like still one of my strongest bits, but mm -hmm. like, it's like the reworked version of that. So yes, the dedication to a bit and like keeping it, bringing it back and refining yeah. it. That's what's up. Yeah. Well, we we yeah. also do like round tables where we sit down and work on each other's jokes nice yeah. right because sometimes it's like you you're too close to a joke and you can't see the blind spots mm -hmm. right so we'll be like okay how do i like i had one joke where we sat down and we literally just moved like one word around and, mm -hmm. and the other guys were like oh yeah that's better it makes a <laughs> yeah. big improvement yeah. honestly it can yeah or at, inserting a pause at the right time is the littlest thing that's good. It sounds like a lot more people lately are doing like writing groups and stuff, and uh, we try to do them here and there too. And when we need to workshop some stuff, is nice. And uh, yeah, it's 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 it. almost like an open mic, right? Because you're yeah, you're, yeah. you're getting some feedback. Mm -hmm. You're you know you're getting a chance to like tweak a joke, and I guess that's what an open mic is exactly. for, right? So it because you know right now the, the whole reason we started the show was because we couldn't really 
we didn't see enough uh, stage time mm-hmm. compared to what I would listen to in interviews from yeah. comics in New York or how often Toronto. you need to be out there. Yeah, they're yeah, like, like you really they, they would ask them, and they're mm-hmm. like, they're like, um, I don't know, maybe four or five times a night, and I'm like, what the fuck, four or <laughs> five wild. times a night? That's wild. How? <laughs> yeah there was just no time yeah. i know exactly like we're definitely blessed with time now and this has come up regularly over the the podcast is yeah. is that before like when i first started comedy there wasn't many indie show options there there was many, a couple maybe you know um, like ken's has been going on for a long time but you know you gotta you got a little bit of a drive out for it there wasn't much right here in the city there was absolutely there was yuck yucks yeah. there was a point when there was a second yuck yucks too that was yeah, yeah, yeah. right across right from across absolute. the street yeah yeah and so they had that <laughs> yeah. one and they had shows regular but mostly only weekend shows there and then there was a couple that went on you know pub 101 uh, for a bit with dan siggy and uh, I don't, they had shows for you know not as much so stage time is fine it's been growing which is exciting yeah. it's one of the reasons why i'm looking forward to having people uh, like you here to talk about all these shows that are happening bring more awareness to it get more people going out to their shows even though it doesn't sound like anybody really needs that everybody's been like oh we're killing it. everyone's selling out which is exciting as fuck and that's part of what i want to showcase because I feel like there's such a big scene here in Ottawa for comedy, for art in general, music, etc. That people are doing a really good job putting out there, but I, I feel like any extra effort to emphasize that is going to go a long way uh, to show, you know, like put Canada up on that pedestal, put Ottawa on the pedestal, and you know, compared to what other people are doing in those big cities, because when we're here, I find there is a lot of comparison we're between comedians and people comparing us to uh, New York or LA and the people that we listen to and admire in our own podcast. Right. And so we try to emulate that, I guess, but without enough awareness, uh, you know, globally speaking too, not just right here in the city, uh, city seems to be really paying a lot of eyes to comedy right now, which is cool, but to put more people globally looking at what is happening here and all the people coming out of Ottawa, yeah, I think is important. Yeah. So, the fact that you give them more stage time for that is great. Yeah, yeah like um, the biggest two venues here are obviously like Yuck Yucks and Absolute. Yeah. And when we started doing comedy, we were like, okay, whenever we get spots in these like smaller independent uh, shows, and they don't attract the really massive crowds that mm-hmm. Absolute and Yuck Yucks have. Yeah. So we realized, okay, this is a, this is a problem because... Um, especially when you first start out, you're not getting as many spots in yeah. Absolute and Yuck Yucks. You know, you're still starting out. You got to work on your material. So that's actually one of the main reasons as well that we did the Heart and Crown show. Mm-hmm. We found this big venue uh, was to actually fill it up with like just massive crowd, like 50 plus. It's been like 70 plus um, and three shows in a, in a row. So that's kind of sim- very similar to the Absolute and Yuck Yucks kind of show mm-hmm. uh, so that's like okay so now we don't have just that absolute yuck yucks and they're yeah. not the only ones that can bring the big crowd it's like mm-hmm. we have heart and crown as well uh, so that's been a huge thing and another reason why we did it was there was uh there wasn't enough stage time and yeah. there was a lot of open mic kind of spots around, yeah. around ottawa which is really awesome for like testing out material um, but the problem is if you want like the real big feedback is you need a big crowd. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that's another reason why we did it is we want to give comics more stage time as well, as well as ourselves, but mm-hmm. also other comics uh, so that they can test out yeah. their material and 
bigger crowds as well. What's uh, what's the structure for your guys' show? How many people do you usually like to have on? How many minutes, features, hosts, that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, uh, so we usually have about uh, 90 minutes. Uh, we have one headliner, one host, and we have, it changes, like we have about six comics in between, I think, six to seven comics in between, depending on what's going on and how many minutes each mm-hmm. person is doing. But we usually stick to around that 90-minute uh, yeah. mark. At least we try to. Uh, we've gone over, uh, I think, three all three yeah. shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Does the venue care, or is that uh, an no, kind of no. issue for them? No, right? no they, they give us around two hours or so. Yeah. so yeah. It's always inside. Yeah, too, it's anyways. inside. It, yeah. It's inside. It, they don't care. But uh, how many minutes per comic usually do you do? Like six minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes, something? Right? Yeah, usually the host does about 15. Mm-hmm. Um, each comic does about six. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the bullets we usually have as eight uh, since they're first starting out, and headliner is about fifteen to twenty. Uh, okay. That's usually how we do it right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah. We we are a little bit flexible. Like I know um, a lot of co- a lot of clubs uh, or shows will just say you got six and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of want the audience as well to have sort of a good show, so we try to have somebody at the end do fifteen or twenty or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of gives the crowd like, okay, we got like a headliner. Or yeah, something. you got to do something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, the structure they you described is, I think, the the winning one. I mean, that's what most of the clubs are doing, and all the the places you know, you always have a host who will do a bit, the intro, everybody, you know, they kind of run, they MC the whole thing. You got the six minuteers in between, and it's all your amateurs, but like amateur in ottawa is still pretty damn good and then yeah, yeah. you've got your features yeah for fifteen twenty, and i yeah. think that's important and how do you guys go about uh, like do you pay your comics at all or the features of the hosts or anything like that or like so, what's your take on so we on that? so we so we experimented right mm-hmm. um so we pay the host we pay the headliner um we try to pay the middles as well um and we did for the first couple shows for the first two for the first yeah. two like um, a specific middle, or just like all, no, no, I mean, no, all like the everyone in the middle. Everyone. Like, we gave uh, we gave yeah. everyone five bucks. Yeah, I mean, like we're under we're um like we're not making money on the show. Yeah, we're yeah, just, spending money on the show. That seems right? to be the case. For so yeah, yeah it's, like uh, it's we hope to break even eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then what our hope was was that um we can make a little bit extra money per show so that we can take that and use it for the advertising for the next show that's our hope but right now we're not there yet so Mm -hmm. unfortunately we had to we had to try to save some costs somewhere Mm -hmm. and really like five bucks is nothing right so um we took that and then that's like an extra 30 bucks that we could put into the advertisement Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so um at the end of the day the point of it is not to make five fucking dollars it's to get stage time at a good venue right so if you ask me, would you prefer five bucks or stage time at a good venue with eighty to a hundred people? I take the stage time, right? Yeah, me so, too, man. Yeah. Me too. I think uh, for myself uh, and everybody that I've talked to, this seems to be the case, you know. And I've said this before, but it's a market thing too. There is more comedians than there is stage time. There's not enough stage time. Supply demand people are going to be willing to come out and do shows for stage time without compensation but that being said 
I think it's important that you do. And, and so far, everyone else I've talked to has a model where they do have some sort of payment for the host and for the feature because that's the next step. That's the acknowledgement that they are a paid comedian, that they're a professional comedian. And I think there's a growing number of those in Ottawa too, but without that, you know, there wouldn't be that next step up and yeah. because the clubs do this as well. It's important. I think that the indie shows can offer something like that. And that's kind of what helps you guys keep your, your place in that we, scene, you know, we were hoping to pay everybody. Like that was our hope. It's definitely the, you know, it's, it's a just, nice the money sound to it. There, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like sounds well, nice. Yeah. Like if we can get the money to be there, we'll go back to paying it. Uh, that's too bad. From, from the other people I've talked to, it seems to be a theme that the, well, they, everyone has said, you know, if the venue doesn't like back you enough, that it, it will be hard to have a successful show. The, the numbers don't work, especially yeah. the, the ticket prices are very, very low, right? It's like, like five bucks. It's five seat, bucks right, right now. Yeah. A lot of people told us to increase the price, but I mean, I don't know. That's like, also the we'll standard around that. town. Yeah. yeah, the standard around town is uh, is five bucks for amateur shows. If you were producing something and you actually were bringing in somebody, uh, you could maybe go up like a bit. But still, at, at that point, you know, for an indie show, it'd be hard to go up much you know 10 would be like a max probably i mean i don't want to like shoot ourselves in the foot and try to charge 10 and then have 10 people at the show yeah you know so but it's a i don't know it's a weird trade-off because you look at heart and crown i'm pretty sure on the weekend you pay seven bucks just to walk through the door right like Uh, just to get in figured it was five or ten i thought i'd split the difference with seven you know and often (laughs) like you'll pay at the side door and then you know just give them more and get in but, yeah, I think it's a uh, side door is like twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Just I go there every now. And then. I've been there a few times too. It's like, no, no, it's not. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, you can't actually do that, guys. Oh yeah, uh, right. Yeah, we but, don't. Uh, that's not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's one thousand dollars at the side door. Uh, yeah. Bring it and tell them. Tell them uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, yeah, in terms of uh, compensation, one thing that we have been doing consistently is uh, we have a photographer on the on the show that's cool. has been taking yeah. like professional photos mm-hmm. of like uh, of the comics while they're up that and they can try to use that for promotion or whenever they want to use that in their social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I know that a lot of comics uh, don't have like that professional pic uh, mm-hmm. because I'll see they're kind of like profile pictures and whatnot and i'll be like oh okay like we can definitely help out with that Mm -hmm. so i know it's a small thing but like that's one of the things that we can try to do Um, and i think when we first started before we even did show number one we were like okay like so host like maybe 30 bucks headliner maybe 25 and then everyone 10 yeah i think that that sounds good and then once we actually saw the real numbers we were like yeah we're gonna lose for like a long time Mm -hmm. if uh if we keep at that yeah. number so we actually had to like cut cut it somewhere so yeah, yeah. it's actually uh, so some of the music producers too uh, and again i mean like producers of small shows like this where you, you go into like house of targ or something and you're going to watch a punk show there a metal show and then it's a, the same question happens there you're charging five ten at the door some of those shows you can get to charge a bit more 10 15 if it's decent bands but then yeah like then you get a whole band who's maybe getting 50 bucks and then you're at five ten a, a person. So like the thing is though with music is it seems most musicians and all those bands are getting paid. Some of them, like the musicians, I believe like when heart and cry crown heart and crown hires a band. I don't know exactly, but I know 
musicians who perform at bars downtown and i know that they can get at least a couple hundred bucks a night for a good bar right so they they they, it's they do with, um and then there's yeah. in and out and all that kind of stuff so they'll get and like, they're selling a lot of drinks on those they're selling sure, a lot but, of uh, they're selling a lot of drinks they still make money with us like mm-hmm. they make money if if they just even chipped in a little bit we could pay everybody we could get the complimentary drinks and then the show would be awesome for the comics too. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it stands right now with the setup that we have, it's mainly just, you know, we can offer them stage time in front of a real crowd. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if they think five bucks is, is more valuable than, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, I don't know. I think what you guys are doing is exactly what most people expect at this point. And yeah, it seems to be the norm. Yeah. Right. About well, it. there's a few comics that, that make a fuss, but yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's it is what it is. But um, you know, we're not trying to <coughs> we're not trying to exploit anybody. We're trying to just get more stage time. That's yeah. all we're trying to do. Like yeah. we're not we're losing money on this. So you had the yeah. uh, three three shows <laughs> now. And I'm making money, man. When's yeah. the next one? Um, we're still trying to confirm the date, but it it February should be 19th. the 19th of February. Yeah. yeah. You guys do your sign up like the other shows right now, or like what's your sign up procedure? Um, yeah, shows? we post it on uh, the, the Facebook. Yeah, yeah. we Auto try we try to we try or? to secure yes, yeah. um, we try to secure the uh, the host and the headliner first, mm-hmm. and then once we do that, then we fill in the rest of the spots. Cool. Yeah, nice. Uh, with locals like people who just sign yeah. up spots for yeah. auto comedy. Yeah, community. yeah, it's yeah. it's locals like we're not bringing in like you know uh dave Chappelle or anything yeah yeah no. um yeah. can't afford him <laughs> <laughs> one day yeah yeah as, as, uh, i don't think anyone can afford him yeah, these yeah. Days. <laughs> even netflix anymore nice so uh you'd say the venues had a good experience overall too but they, they're not overly invested at this point it seems but uh, you guys are still going to keep growing it there we're hoping and after a few months and, uh, yeah we're hoping after a few months like we can sit down with them and be like look you know, we've done it for a few months here. Mm-hmm. We're consistently packing the place, you know, help us out a little bit so we can provide a better experience for the yeah, talent. Get a cut of drink sales or something That's like that. That's at least, or, you, know, you know, that's like at least, I, get, uh, they did it for the first show and I mm-hmm. think it's kind of, it's kind of a dick move to take it away, but they should, they should bring it back. I think, Yeah. you know, it's out of our hands. Like mm. some people get mad at us, but it's not us, man. Yeah, and I mean, if you guys are doing your best and people are on, they're going to come and do your show, then just like be polite and you know, <laughs> you're on your show. Everyone just have a good time, come out and do some comedy, and you feel, yeah. fill up the. Everyone's got to play their part. Like that's, I've really enjoyed talking to all the people who are producing shows to understand, you know, how much effort does have to go into it. So much know? effort, and, man. For the yeah. last show, I spent forty hours that month working on it. Like wow. it's, yeah. it's an insane what, amount. Uh, w- most of the time was on the the marketing, advertising, yeah. Yeah. promoting, mm-hmm. all that stuff. You know, Designing there's a lot of little and, stuff yeah. too that we don't think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. a lot of little things come up just while you're doing it Um, like you need to have kind of yeah you need to kind of have like a we started having like a checklist um, of things that we need to do right before the show Mm -hmm. things that we need to do like on the day of the show smart Um, and sometimes we'll miss a few things and we're like okay we need to be better next time Mm -hmm. Um, like we had some technical issues with the mic uh, in our third show uh, and we didn't figure out how to solve it until after. And it's like, there's all these little problems that kind of come up. Yeah. And you don't really expect them because you don't really deal with them if you're just like a comic and you're mm-hmm. used to going up, you do your stage time, and then 
you leave and it's like yeah. you know you shake hands and you leave you expect that you get on stage and there will be a working mic and that's about it that's what you hope for right? you need yeah mic and yeah get the the av me i was having uh today when i was setting up i had some trouble with uh one of the headphones i can't remember which one it was even now it was the aux cords i went through a bunch of aux cords trying to figure out what the yeah. hell was going on and like I was just pissed because I was like, I know, like, I've tested all the audio, all this stuff a bunch, but you know, things like that yeah. go wrong. It's just part of the and it, doing that extra when you got that AV, you got to sit up. Uh, yeah. Who yeah. who does that? You guys? Did you have to buy your own equipment, or does the bar supply it for you guys? Like, do they already have their own stuff? Or some of the stuff that we had to buy, like a video camera, a mic stand, the uh, mic, mm -hmm. the actual mic. They have the lighting. They have the stage. Obviously, they have the lighting equipment, mm -hmm. kind of thing um they that's the stuff that's provided um they're also nice enough to provide us with like two uh waiters or waitresses uh, to kind of help nice, out and yeah. um get everyone drinks and food which is great but pretty much everything else like when it comes to video camera mic mic stand uh um audio recorders and whatnot mm -hmm. um like photographer like that's all us like they don't provide that mm -hmm. so yeah yeah like i i actually did purchase lights and you know like a mixer and stuff because um, at the time we didn't know if we we're gonna have a venue that had that stuff yeah. right so we so we can throw shows at venues that don't have the equipment we're, that's cool we're, too. we're yeah. equipped for yeah. that you could like open yeah. up in a hall or do yeah like, yeah. like a restaurant or something yeah. even if they don't have their own equipment like well, this this yeah. is the same deal here right like you had to go through all this like headache to set this up yeah. all we yeah. do is just show up and talk just show up and talk <laughs> right? and it's, yeah you know and then we this leave this is the venue this yeah. is my venue yeah like we this, leave yeah. and we're like oh that was fun but for you now you got to take all the footage and like splice it together and yeah. make sure all the levels are okay exactly. and we're we've only got one mic for two people so we're like the levels are not okay <laughs> it's gonna need some work exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're like touching the mic so you're getting like clicks and stuff so yeah yeah i mean it's gonna be a headache for you like this is that's it's all what part it's, of that process yeah that's yeah. what it's like for us producing yeah. like you were but, saying too like yeah, yeah now i've also had to, you know come up with my own like procedures checklists uh, organizing this and that the paperwork and just uh, yeah it's a lot of behind the scenes and i don't know i hope that by talking about it and like being able to have these discussions that it makes it a little easier for whoever's trying coming next or you know a, a little more of the behind the scenes for the other comedians who are actually coming on the shows and yeah, stuff and yeah. uh, well, also way to get to know the people who are doing it you know what you guys are all about sure. and uh, you know your own comedy and stuff like that and yeah. you mentioned too that like you guys so you've did you perform on all of your shows yeah yeah yeah, that's the point. Exactly. Yeah, right? That's yeah. the fucking point is to get stage. Get time. out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. otherwise, you uh, like you try to book yourselves at other shows around town as well too. Or? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a little tough, but yeah, we try. We try to get on as many. shows You do the regular mail-ins or whatnot for like the the yeah. club shows and yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try. We try as much as we can. You guys like live right in town around here, or like in Ottawa? Yeah. City. um downtown both of us okay yeah, yeah. nice yeah we're lucky to You're both right. be in downtown because it's way easier to go mm -hmm. to all these different venues mm -hmm. uh, like there's like uh live on elgin there's uh, meows that's hot those are both open mic venues yeah. which is are, are really sick um and you know there's absolute comedy which is like off preston mm -hmm. uh, you know and there's yucks it's all Just most of it is pretty yeah. central uh, but if we lived in like I don't know Barhaven, Orleans, or even even like Brockville or 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 something like that, like it would be very very tough to just 
go to all these different venues yeah like, pretty exactly. regularly so yeah yeah like yeah. there's there's a couple comics who live like an hour out of town and they're mm-hmm. they're on all the shows and they're driving like an hour in an hour out hour yeah in, hour that's out. amazing yeah. it's tough the man. dedication yeah. Yeah. i mean there's a difference it's a trade-off right i i would like i like the idea of being able to be out there every night or like you know four or five nights a week if i could uh but i'm lucky if i get to do a few a month at this point just between one the biggest thing is stage time is it there and getting booked and then you know i I do have a day job right and so that that takes up some time and you know i'm trying to do this on the side i totally respect the people who are just like going for it full time uh maybe one day i'm kind of just like riding it out like i I enjoy what i'm doing i really love the comedy but yeah it's not something i can uh put that much time into at this point yeah Yeah. but for those people who do and it shows for a lot of them a lot of people have started even just last year are like killing it right now so yeah it's like uh like for me personally my main goal right now is like you know even though I joke around with the guys, like, oh, let's get a Netflix special. We're mm. ready. We got six Every minutes. Every fucking day this <laughs> It's like... That's a dream, man. Yeah, That's man. Dream. Netflix special is like the dream. But yeah. the more realistic dream is, like, I'm getting booked on a weekend at, like, Absolute exactly. Comedy or Yuck Yucks. Like, yeah. for me, if when that happens that's gonna be kind of like that's like the big steps exactly yeah yeah. so and that's like a realistic i feel like very realistic goal to have and Mm -hmm. once i hit that then i can think bigger and it's like okay do i want to do toronto do i want to do new york and do you want to go through that whole Mm -hmm. thing or and kind of like see where things go yeah i dig that man and uh, it makes sense to kind of like follow those steps up here right You, you go from the amateur shows you try to get booked as a middle or as a host or something like that. Yeah. Maybe you get a weekend spot or like ideally you get to like what, like the launching pad, like a Yuck Yucks launching pad or you yeah. get to a pro-am yeah. at Absolute uh, or you get a host spot at an indie show or you get a feature at an indie show. That's the next good step. Like, But most of the people hosting and featuring indie shows start hosting or featuring or like something, at, you know, doing the New Talent Showcase host or something or so it does there there's kind of a logical progression to comedy i've seen a lot of people successfully go through it especially uh having started so long ago when i did that a lot of those people who did stick with it are very successful now in doing comedy which like, is like, cool. like who do you can you drop some names yeah uh, they, they're gonna get they get a lot of publicity from me right now because i talk about them in every episode but like <laughs> kyle Brownrig in toronto okay uh you know he was already doing really well by the time i was just starting but like he was somebody i watched a lot adrian cronk oh I yeah really, uh, I, I remember seeing that guy when he still worked at absolutely yeah fucking hilarious he thing. was one of my favorites i really yeah. looked up to him as a comedian like i still do i just don't see his comedy often because he's in toronto now so like each of them had made it enough to you know get out to toronto uh jen labelle and yeah. um oh what's her name i don't know there's a bunch that i could think of you know but that were all like around that time uh that are still killing it now that kept it going and some that didn't matt watson's another one he was uh here for a long time and then he was like doing a tour in edinburgh and lived there for like two years and was doing like the fringe fest and all those shows for a long time and he came back recently and he was featuring it you're at absolute like a few months ago again he, he did a but I don't know where he's at now. He's like, he was living in a van. I don't know. You might have seen him. He had the van. He's got like a, a couple hundred episodes out or something. Just like him living in his van, uh, his van really? vlog. This vlog is show. this is this is Matt Watson. Matt Watson. Okay, because yeah. we got one of the guys in our crew that fucking lives in a van. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is he? Yes. Um, 
uh, what's his name? It's Joel Jacob. Joel, yeah. yeah he has be... a bit about living in a van. Yeah, I remember. I've, yeah. I've heard the bit. I hope to have him and uh, Remy. Remy on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, I'm blank. It's right now. But yeah, yeah having both of them on uh, sometime soon, too. Because they also have, like, probably the next newest show. If Or is I don't know which one came first. Uh, they were um, close. I well, think theirs we, was September like we, October. We, uh, <laughs> no, they started before us. But, okay. But yeah. we help each other out on That's those great. shows. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, they they sort of uh, are you guys in that WhatsApp group? Yeah. With Joel and Rami in there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm in that yeah. too. So no. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, there's another one. Oh, oh maybe another. Maybe there's one, another one. Okay, okay. yeah, another no, no, one. no, no. We have I our own. Don't, I haven't yeah. been on it much lately. I didn't have time to to check it much, but no, I know there's a bunch, nice. but no, yeah, we yeah. have we have our own, and uh, like we, is this even, we um, we talked about you know. In the summer, in the spring, or late spring, early summer, we talked about you know running another show, mm-hmm. or whatever, and um, we talked about doing it in the market. You know, like Yucks does Elgin and uh, Little Italy. You know, Absolute does Little Italy and Preston and all that stuff. And there was nothing really going on in the market. I don't think there was a bunch of stuff going on in Centertown, you know, but nothing really in the market. So. Now there is. Now we've got like three. There's like two, three shows in the market. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully, you know, we start another one as well. But um, yeah, they seem to be on the same grind as you right now. Uh, like, cause I, I've talked to Rami more. Like, so him and I have randomly like had met each other outside of comedy too. Uh, was just like out, out of my friend's house, and then like he he was there for for a wing night it was just him and i was like oh, okay you know these guys too and then so like we were kicking it there and then randomly another night and then we've had a few shows together now like uh, we've been on absolute at the same yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, same time a couple times and uh so i've got to just talk to him off the scene about the experience he's been having too and trying to grow their show and the amount of effort that it takes and it seems that they're very much in the exact same boat eh? of like they're trying to you know, put money back into it, not making any money, but they're just reinvesting as much as possible, which is good. I think that's a mark of a good show. If you're not willing to reinvest in your own show when you, whatever you do make, then, you know, it won't. Yeah, you, you well. have to. Like, they, yeah. they, yeah. they go all out with their promos as well. And yeah, they a made a of, cool video I saw. Put, yeah, they do it. videos and mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, they, again, with the shows, we help each other out. Like, we, we always show up to their shows and, they need a camera guy or whatever like we'll man the cameras or something like that will help them with the seating arrangements or whatever and then them too they come over and they'll handle the door for a second if we have to run off somewhere or Mm -hmm. whatever right so we we help each other out and then we brainstorm stuff too like okay how do you do this how do you do that or should Mm -hmm. we do it like this should we do it like that and try to figure stuff out like that you know so um yeah and then the the whole the whole point of all of this shit is just more stage time just Mm -hmm. it's all about the comedy and everything else is just it's transient how were all your sets so far like between the two of you the sets that you did at your own uh, venue did they always come off hot were uh, how are you feeling <laughs> um, on those nights like were you ner- more nervous because it was your own yeah. show or less or like how are you feeling? way more yeah yeah like yeah like for me uh, the first the first show in particular like, this is my show <laughs> uh we produced it or do you even come out and say all that or is that even a thing where it, it, are people aware that it's your show when they're there like the regular patrons even do you think i think so yeah just because like the host usually introduces us as like co-producer and whatnot yeah but uh like first time i went up on the first show like uh november um i blanked out completely 
because oh, yeah. I'm in producer mode mm-hmm. and I just I get on stage and I'm just like um and I I Shit, literally yeah. said on the mic like I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I never right even now. thought about that yeah cuz when I'm prepping for a show that's the only thing I'm thinking about. I don't want to think yeah. about anything else especially right before I'm getting on stage. Yeah. I don't want to have to be like worrying like I want to worry that my 6 minutes or my however long I'm on stage goes well. And that's it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> not like, like, not that the whole show is gonna go well and everything is there. Yeah, no. Damn. the 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 first The first show, um, I I hosted it, and that was a huge mistake. I shouldn't have done that. It was, uh, like, I was. Had not, you hosted before? No, the, no. The, and I just. Yeah. But the it's thing is, easy as it it's not as easy. But <laughs> see, we thought like maybe twenty, thirty people would show up, not like a hundred plus. That's true. Right, a hundred plus show up, and I'm shitting my pants. And I remember getting some advice. They were like, okay, do some material, then do some crowd work, and then talk about the show, get to know people, and then bring, it, bring mm-hmm. everybody on, right? I just fucking got into crowd work right off the bat. And there was, there was like a troll in the crowd just giving me like nonsense answers. Oh, shit. And no one else could hear them. So I sounded like a dick talking mm-hmm. to this guy because nothing made sense. You got to repeat it back to him. Yeah. That's the, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. main trick. In no, the, I know. I, I Yeah. Like I was, hecklers. I didn't know anything, man. Quick, I, quickest response to any heckler basically is just like repeat back to them the thing that they said to you and then try to tag it or like make a joke off of it or something like yeah, that. I've I was heard just, that advice yeah, from somebody I, I, before. Yeah. yeah I was so nervous. Yeah. I didn't even do that. I didn't even like repeat yeah. what he said. To- man, totally yeah. acceptable response <laughs> to feel. <laughs> Yeah, you but know? Uh, so yeah. so we get so we get hosts now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm not ready for that. It's a hard job too. It's and it's yeah. different than doing comedy. This I've talked at length to like Josh Williams about this and uh, a couple of the other guys at, at Absolute. There, you know how uh, Kamar Babar and yeah. he, he, the three of us, we we were, had a conversation one day about that, just about how hosting is its own skill outside of just doing stand-up too like you have to be a stand-up comedian plus an mc while you're doing it and so you basically you were trying to be a stand-up and stand-up comedian plus an mc plus a producer on one of your first tries which is uh, fucking good on you six but, months uh, in comedy six like, months in. hey man like, i respect well the, the other thing too is you i just took, gotta I, do I, it though. i took like a four month a break yeah. during the summer yeah. so it was really like three months in comedy yeah so how did it go though? Were you, like, did you feel like it you went did well okay once still? I yeah. got into material? Once mm-hmm. I stopped doing the crowd work and got into material, okay. it went fine. Once you're yeah. back on plan, yeah, 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 yeah. But but and I bet for the rest of the comics, it was probably fine because they were just showing up like it's another show for them. Like it's a new yeah. venue, but they're yeah. just another night for them yeah, to yeah. do a for show. Them, and... For them, it was fine. Yeah. It was the crowd was the crowd was pretty hot as mm-hmm. as well, so yeah, it ended up going well. Um, and then the the third show that I did. Um, when I did my set, it took a while for me to switch from producer brain to uh, to comic. Mm-hmm. Like when I went up on stage, I was still in producer mode. I was still thinking about, okay, making sure everything's running right, counting people's times and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like that. I get on stage and for the first like few seconds in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I got I to gotta do comedy. Yeah, what like, are my jokes? Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just, I like, because somebody who had gone up there and like, made fun of people for for having like i look like jokes you know and, and you guys all do it I, yeah. and i never did that i never mm-hmm. did those kind of jokes and i was like oh let me try it and then right before i go up someone else made fun of people doing that and i was like fuck it i'm still gonna try it see mm-hmm. and then i did it and it worked and i hated that it worked because i was like oh man this is formulaic bullshit but it yeah. works and i'm like 
God damn it. I wish it didn't, mm-hmm. honestly, but it did. It sucks. Yeah. But uh, I like, I don't know, sometimes that's a good way to take into writing your own jokes is to find, not necessarily a formula, but like you said, like the, I look like jokes, like that's a thing. If you, if you're as a comedian can write a good, I look like joke, it's probably going to be funny and it, it might work well. And it's a type of joke. Like it, yeah. that is in its own way yeah. a type, you know, like I, I've said this before too, like, I liked to write uh, like anthropomorphizing jokes. I like to anthropomorphize animals into something human and people like that. That's funny if you can do a good one. And so every so often you come up with a good joke that, the, but again, that's like a type of, a type of joke, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, so on the second time, uh, second show that we did. Mm-hmm. So the thing is that was the first show where I had a lot, well, a bunch of people from my professional network to actually come. So they've been seeing me in all these like networking events and like professional mode, you know, they've never seen me talk about like sex and dick jokes and all that. Mm. So I felt a lot of pressure to do really, really well, not just okay, just really, really well. Um, because of that, just because it's like, I don't want them to kind of like, we'll go to like a networking event and I meet it up with them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, hey, Marwan, it's like, he's the guy trying to be comedian. He's not <laughs> that good, but I'm going to be supportive and sympathetic. <laughs> so uh felt a lot of pressure. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, but it ended up going super, super well. It uh, ended up killing. And uh, after that, I was, like, getting a lot of compliments, felt like a celebrity for, like, a solid five minutes, and then mm-hmm. I went back to my regular life. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. a bit great. of a high. Yeah. It's nice. Um, and then second third show was, like, was similar. Like, uh, both went super well, and uh, you feel like a celebrity for a bit, and then it just goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where the addiction yeah. for the stage time comes in, is because, like, it feels so good when you get off stage, and then, like... Even I found it on shows where I didn't do amazing, it still feels really good when you get off stage because of the yeah, the release yeah. of the fact that it was done now. Not that it was so high pressure. Like I don't get super nervous going on stage anymore. Like I teach too. Like I do a lot of things that involve public speaking. It doesn't really bother me. But my nerve is more just that I want to do well. That's that's the thing. I'm I'm up there. I just want to be funny. So hopefully that's going to be the case. Yeah. But uh, I find even in all the shows I go to, though, everyone's in the green room thinking the same thing, saying the same thing. Everyone's a bit nervous. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember my uh, my very, very first show. I couldn't sleep after. Mm. I couldn't fall asleep. Really I, I fell that. asleep once I was wow, like, it was like 5.30 in the morning I fell asleep. Cool. You Did know? you record it or do you yeah. record in your stuff? Record every single yeah. one. I, me too. Yeah, it's yeah. good. You got to watch them back. It's nice. It's tough to watch sometimes. <laughs> you learn. What's like the worst thing that's happened when you're on stage? or like I get heckled a lot. Okay. Because I have a conversational style. Okay. People feel like they're they're just I'm just mm. talking to them. So they talk back. So you do a lot with the crowd conversationally or just like your... Um... Well, I mean, I just... I, I went through... Like I did... I did a show like a couple weeks back where this old lady just basically talked to me the whole time, mm-hmm. right? So I was uh, like, I was telling, I was telling people about it, it. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and they're like, I want to see it, and I'm like, okay. So then I just I sat down and I started like cutting that part of it out, mm-hmm. and I was like, let me see if I can just put some of the other crowd work stuff in or hecklers in there, and I ended up doing a compilation that was like ten minutes of crowd work. Nice. Right? So I have this, like, clip that's 10 minutes, and I would I'd send it out to people that asked. And then I send it out to some other people. I'm like, what do you think of this? Right? So far, I got, like, pretty decent feedback. Some people told me I'm a little bit harsh with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, a little bit, like, like pointed. 
but uh, you know, people laugh in the crowd. So like, it is. I am kind of a dick sometimes, but but <laughs> yeah, I've tried to be nicer more lately. When I was getting heckled, like my old responses used to just be to like double down and just you know fuck them right up whoever was heckling but now i've thought you know it's if i can do it more playfully it's not so bad yeah. and people the other uh, rest of the crowd feels less awkward about it and it can be funnier like or it could turn into something really funny that you're yeah. not expecting or something like that. yeah yeah like the way i've been doing it recently is i've for a long time i've been, always been super nervous with hecklers like i would just ignore them and it doesn't work when you mm -hmm. ignore hecklers, mm -hmm. for the most part, I would say some stuff you can ignore, but for the most part, it's just, it doesn't work when you ignore them because the crowd expects you to, like, yeah, deal with it. Yeah, depends how them. much attention the crowd paid to that heckle. Yeah. Like, if people paid enough attention to it, you got to address it. If it was just, like, super off the cuff, then let it go. Yeah, you can kind of let it go. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to go about that. Yeah, how, how what, if you get nervous, but what do you do when a heckler, So you know, what's your... <laughs> That's so far, <laughs> that that last show at Finnegan's, you got heckled too. Yeah, and yeah. you just straight up ignored the guy. <laughs> so for one of them, um, I ignored this guy just because, like this one particular dude, I just honestly didn't know what he said. Uh, but I got heckled a couple a uh, couple of times from different people, and I would just be pretty friendly with it. Like I mm -hmm. wouldn't kind of like insult them, yeah. um, or like be negative or hostile kind of thing. Um, I'm just like I try to make a joke out of it. Uh, I try to repeat what they said but you know i'm still kind of new to it um mm -hmm. thing is like i'm used to comedy clubs and a lot of times in comedy clubs they won't heckle you like it's usually this really small bar yeah. that has not been my experience <laughs> i yeah, think so. it's a style of jokes just my style of jokes is just like okay you need to listen to me yeah, um, it's not that much of a engaging the crowd kind mm. of thing but your style yeah. is very different in that, like, it is, it's almost like inviting people to, like, heckle. Uh, so you get that way more, way more yeah. than I do. And I've always kind of admired how much more, like, references with heckling you've, you have compared to me. Whereas, like, I'm like, oh, I got heckled today. Yay. <laughs> um, though I have gotten heckled before where it was, like, extremely brutal. Um, but that only happened once. Like at, one uh, guy who tell just that story. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so one time I was at, uh, it was my second time at the small bar called Quinn's. Mm -hmm. um, it's on Bank Street. And yeah, they I have, I know it, yeah. Yeah, they have a they have an what was that? Sorry. I was gonna say yeah, I didn't know they had a show there though. Or is it like a... uh, Sunday nights open mic? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the host is super nice, and I think the guy's name is Jordan. What's the name of that one? Uh, the venue the name of the show, or is it? Is it even oh. have a show name? It's just no. You're at Quinn's and the uh, yeah, it's just open mic at Quinn's yeah. um, on Sundays, yeah. and uh, the host's name is Jordan, um, and it's mostly for musicians, uh, but they're welcoming to comedians as well. Mm -hmm. So the second time I go there, it was just me. Uh, none of the comics are there. I'm the only one doing comedy. Um, the crowd seemed like they were all having a good time. They're all kind of chilling. It was a pretty somewhat packed room, which was pretty surprising on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I go up. I do my first joke. I do my second joke. And they kind of like give me sympathy laughs. And I kind of like pick up on that pretty quick. I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. I do the rest of my jokes, and it's like complete silence. No one's into it. And then at some point, this girl starts yelling at me, and she's like heckling me, trying to interrupt my jokes. Mm. And I don't know. I was more, very inexperienced with hecklers at the time, and I'm just like, 
Oh, cool. Anyway, next <laughs> joke. And、uh, then she starts heckling me some more. And then she tells the host to cut my mic off because that I'm being really ridiculous and. That this is like, this is horrible.、Jeez. Like, this guy just like shut his mic off. This、yeah. guy needs to get off、Super、the stage. Entitled, and, and like, the thing is, this venue is pretty small. So,、mm. like, she is yelling, everyone could hear her. And I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this person. I'm still pretty new to, new to this. So, I'm just like, oh, you know, I'll get off the stage in like two minutes because I still have two minutes. And I'm、mm. being polite about it and I'm being kind of real about it. I actually did only have like two more minutes.、Mm. And,、uh, and I kind of just kept going, and nobody was into it. The thing is, when a heckler is like that loud, and I'm kind of I'm pretty inexperienced at the time, and the heckler was very loud, and the crowd wasn't on my side. So no one was telling her to be quiet and be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. She、so、was just fucking a one woman cannon, just doing her thing. The, the, way, the way that he told me this story was that she told him. <laughs> To get off the stage, and he told her,、uh, No, I have two minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's literally what happened. Yeah.、Um, and I thought that was like an appropriate response. I was like, Oh, well, yeah, in two minutes, like I'm supposed to still be on stage. So, but yeah, eventually I end up getting off stage, and then、uh, these two guys come up to me and they tell me like they felt really bad for me, and they were like, They loved my material. And there w a s these two guys that were the only people giggling at kind of my、mm -hmm. jokes, but they were like laughing their asses off. It's nice they say that at least, but yeah, I know it's、yeah. like, I mean, if you're,、uh, you know, if you're at a show and nobody else is laughing, it's like a bit of added pressure on you to be like cackling about it. You can like giggle、yeah. a bit, like you said, right? But like if you're the only one. Dying laughing. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to make fun of myself, and I'm just、yeah. kind of like, I know what、it's、you guys are doing. It's a product of being new, like you said, right?、Yeah. And it's hard to deal with hecklers, and it's harder to do small rooms. Like, all these things are added challenges. I always say it's, you know, you're spoiled when you do a big room, really, because you're lucky if you get that. And that's why、yeah. I thrive off. I've just been lucky to be able to do enough shows with a lot of, you know, big, big turnout. And, It feels good. Those are the ones that you know really usually feel pretty good after. And yeah. It's a, a, I think every comic's performed to a dead room, though, before. Yeah.、Um, I mean, yeah. There's, there's some rooms where it's like sometimes I question whether it's even worth going there because it's like, man, the, <laughs> the, that, that particular room, the time that I went there, there was like four people that were audience members、yeah. that weren't, you know, like going up or whatever. And the laughs were very sparse. There's just four people in the crowd,、yeah. right? But then I thought, I thought it wasn't going well. I get off the stage and they come up to me and they're like, wow, that was funny. I really like this joke.、I'm、like, bitch, you didn't laugh. What the fuck? <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> laugh then. Demonstrate this to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, Come on. <laughs> but no, I get, I, get, I get heckled constantly. Like, but I think it's because of the way that. Um, the way that I talk, like it, it is very much just like I'm having a conversation with the crowd、mm -hmm. rather than like here's my setup and then here's my punchline. Any、line. like really memorable heckles? Yeah, I mean,、uh, the one, the lady at Finnegan's was pretty memorable. She started heckling me on, on like the second line of my first joke. That's and annoying. The whole、Fuck. set was just heckling, right? And it was just me and her going back and forth.、Hmm. 
I think also she had like a thing for you, so that's probably why. Uh, yeah. Bro, she was there with her husband, and she was like a <laughs> hundred and ten. Um, <laughs> she's old as fuck. Uh, <laughs> she might have taken the old jokes like personally. Cause, oh, yeah. Yeah, old cause lady I'm, swings, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I'm 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 34, so I'm just becoming old, right? Like I don't look old yet, but I'm becoming old, so like it's just stuff's like falling apart, right? And I was, I was saying this stuff, and she she just yells out now. It's like, what the fuck? I, not me. Okay, bitch, it's a setup. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> like, some people just don't get it. You know, it's, uh, or they think that, like, oh, yeah. Did, did you have any memorable ones? say something like that. Memorable heckles. I've had, a, I've had a few good ones here and there. Yeah, sometimes I, I, you know, the ones I'll dress, I do ignore them sometimes. Like, one that was really funny I had recently, though, is, like, I actually got a, a yuck yuck at yuck yucks. Like, I, I was at yuck yucks, and I told a joke, and it was, like, a super dad joke, and a bunch of people did laugh still, but it was, like, a, just a really, like, groany type joke, I yeah. guess, for some people. But it's all, like, it's always gets enough laughs and, like, really good reactions from some crowds and whatever, so I keep doing it. But, uh, and then somebody was in the back was li- literally like, yuck, yucks. And I was like, okay. <laughs> they fucking did the Daryl strawberry on you. Is that, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they literally just yelled that. And like, I got real excited because I thought that they were going to like cheer or something. Like that, oh, that yeah. shit. <laughs> yuck, <laughs> yucks. What it was. Yeah. And then at the same time, some other guy was like two people heckled at that same point. So clearly it was, it was a groany joke when I did it, when the the way it came this time and uh well what was it it was exactly i remember what the guy said i'm just trying to remember like how it tailed off the joke but because uh, i was making a joke about dead birds and then the groan part about it at the very end so i've already i've already got the big laugh i want from the joke anyways that's the whole punchline's over i'm just tagging it at the end with something and the tag at the end goes that it's like uh, you know i i don't kill birds like unless it's a flock of crows because that's a murder and then everyone's like oh and that's when he was like yeah that sounds that sounds like that sounds like a rap song or something (laughs) sounds like crystalia imitating eminem yeah i could be matt buchanan imitating crystalia imitating eminem is like uh yeah unless it's a a bunch of crows because that's a murder (laughs) that's a murder It's murder. It's murder. It's murder. He always does that too. <laughs> ja Rule. Yeah, like four foot, four foot nine. Ja Rule. It's murder. So yeah, that and the, then the guy, one guy yelled out. He's like, "Unless it's a parliament of owls," and I was like, "What?" Because he said that to my bird joke. Because I guess I said, "Oh, I made the joke." Really, is just the wordplay of crows and it being a murder of crows. And then he's like, "Or a parliament of owls." Is that, is that what a group of owls is called? I guess isn't it called a parliament of owls? And that's I didn't get what he said at the time, and so I just did what I said. I just repeated back to him. I was like, "What?" I was like, "I, I, was like, I don't, I don't get it." But uh, all right. And then everybody laughed at that. It seems like, like people, if you can respond well to a heckler, they'll laugh a lot at that in general. Like yeah. parliament of owls. That's literally the first time. You would think you would learn this stuff in in like grade school when they're like, yeah. oh, no, did you know a group of crows is a, is called a murder?" 
Like that's that's when you learn that's that like shit. It's like a informational video yeah, from Ja Rule. I never <laughs> heard. Yeah, like Ja Rule comes into class. Hi guys, I don't I don't rep anymore. I just I just fucking. It's probably hurt. fine if you just leave it there. Eh? It's a. Uh, oh yeah. Pick okay. up. It seems to be picking up enough, at least for me. But. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm mean, I'm just leaning in. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Hope you guys don't leave here with scoliosis. Yeah, like uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll uh, talk to hecklers, the heck guy, the people that heckled me after the show. And almost every time, almost times, I would say they feel they will like feel bad for heckling mm-hmm. me. Like, oh, by oh. the way, sorry for like heckling you. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, it's weird because it's like they'll tell me that they know that what they did, they shouldn't have like yeah. interrupted oh, hey, my joke. Don't, don't talk then. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm just like, wait, so you do know? Then why don't you? So weird. They just... want to be involved so bad. Yeah, they want to be up there they want to be part of the show so bad you know yeah like yeah. when i'm when i'm just watching comedy when i'm when i just in when i'm in the crowd right um i want to jump in all the time but i i i control myself i'm like oh fuck he could say this he could say that he could mm-hmm. say this he could say that i don't fucking say anything because i know nobody's there to see me they're there to see the person on stage exactly right you know like, one of my favorite guys to watch with hecklers online lately have you heard of drew lynch yeah, he's the community's the he's, he's got the guy stutter. with the stutter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kills it though. He, I don't know. He posts a lot of them on his Instagram of like, it's a heckler or just somebody talking out at a show, and he's usually really nice about all of them, but it always turns into something amazing, like just the funniest things. And I don't know. He goes off from out of nowhere and he just runs with yeah, it. He's, he's, he's very. He's funny. pretty good with the hecklers. Mm-hmm. Um, I find Andrew Schultz is pretty good with it, but I feel like he like probably baits people a lot into his like. Yeah, crowd work. I have a couple things like that, yeah. like a couple jokes that are like crowd work jokes where I already like I know the outcome. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's another type of joke, right? You can write those into your set, and yeah. even though it's a bit formulaic, but I have a few that work that even comedians, I mean amateur comedians, they're they didn't know or they they had no idea, you know, and then you see me do the same joke multiple times you're like oh that's how he did that yeah yeah like i i I found a lot of uh steve hofstetter's like heck like comedian destroys heckler yeah Yeah. and i watched some of them some of them are decent but then some of them he's literally just yelling at the guy (laughs) it's like you shouldn't do that because it's rude it's like that's not a that's not handling a heckler that's just yeah that's lecturing a heckler. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> the fuck? I don't know. I think those videos, I mean, he's really funny. He's dealt with good hecklers well, but I think it's like, there was like a theme at that point where hecklers would come to him. And so sometimes the, he would just have kind of like with Jimmy Carr at this point. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. He's like one of the that, most savage. Yeah, no, but it's like, it's like a thing to go to a Jimmy Carr show and heckle him. Like you expect hecklers. He, he has like he a heckle section. He's, he's got times, like, okay, yeah, now's yeah. the, now's the, time the show where you fucking heckle yeah and that guy deals with hecklers like a motherfucker like he ruins people but it's like certain people like you can tell are like you know they're waiting they're eager to just get in a good heckle or to try to chirp them just so like they can get ripped up by jimmy carr you know and it's like i feel like people to some degree do that with like offset or two and that's some you know i mean because he's he's built himself a brand around handling hecklers so that's what i mean like if if that's what you build yourself around you're probably going to invite it a little bit Mm mm-hmm Right, like, you're probably doing that too without knowing. How am I doing it? Though? I, I the, the only thing that I realize is that I'm I'm doing it because I'm talking to the crowd in a way that's just like a conversation, right? But how? Like, tell me how how else? Like, what am I doing? That's like, that's like causing. Maybe noise? it's just like I don't know. I think what happens with some comedians, like if the, I I'm kind of getting a better picture of what your style of comedy is. Like, I can kind of picture how you would be telling jokes. 
that in the sense of it inviting because other comedians when they're up there it's more like they're a one-man actor on a stage and that person is doing a monologue and you don't interrupt the monologue because those are their jokes and they're doing it. but if you're up there and you're kind of telling jokes that's like at people then it's kind of like a bi-directional communication as opposed to more like oh this is a one-man show he's doing this uh, set and he's clearly got well-defined jokes that we have to pay to close it, attention yeah. to or, yeah. or something like that style i think commands individuals attention in a different manner and it's good that you're in tune with that because i think you need to reflect on that sort of thing in order to write your comedy in a way that can control that attention it's basically uh i've heard comedy described as like this mass hypnosis right it's basically you're one person up there and you're trying to get all these people to think the same thing and they're trying to get them all to laugh at the same time and you're doing that by specifically and strategically placing words and punchlines and setups but if you're having like a conversation with them too and you're still doing all those things it's like yeah you got a plan for that i guess a little bit yeah, yeah. I mean, some some of the stuff is a little bit of like a like a call and response type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my jokes in particular does um, solicit claps on purpose because I've seen I've seen crowds clap at certain triggers, yeah. and I, and I thought it was really weird that they did that. Well, a clap break is like a thing in comedy too, right? Like if you get a big enough laugh that you actually get everyone to clap, and that's like another level of, you know? Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm right. talking about like when you say like, oh, I just did this, and they start clapping. Oh, like I just lost 50 pounds. Everybody, so, yeah, you know, whatever it is, right? just had a baby. Yeah, yeah right? Like, yeah. It, right. And, and I thought it was so it's so weird. So the genesis of one of those jokes was was I would I would say those things in like – in order mm-hmm. just to see how many times I could get them to clap okay, in a row yeah. and then just like <laughs> trash them for that. And then I realized like it's too much and I just, I cut it to just like one of the, one of them. And okay. Then, so you, you like, you did, you did a couple to set the, like they get the, what you're doing. It, well, within... that was, that was how I started it. And yeah. then I realized like it's, it is, it is too much to just keep going with it. Mm-hmm. So I just cut it to just one of them doing a couple it, where it's like a fake mm-hmm. out kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if that kind of maybe sets up, like the whole thing with yeah, you the can crowd. definitely have, have too many tags. That's for sure. There can be too many tags. But... I'm definitely a one man show kind yeah. of guy in comparison to you. Like mm-hmm. I feel like you're a bit more inviting with. Uh, well, the other the thing too is you're telling like, it seems like you're telling stories. Like oh, I had this one experience and da 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 da. da. It's harder to heckle those because you're just like okay, well, what happened, right? Yeah. Um, whereas like I'm talking about how I feel about certain things. So then someone in the crowd will be like, well, I feel like this. They want to tell you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I had one guy too. Well, there was, there was one joke where it, it just came about organically because I'm 34 years old and like next month I'm 35 and somebody backstage at the very first show asked me if I was 19 and I was like, what the fuck? I look 19 to you. You do look like, young as shit, though. Yeah, I mean, the youngest but like, man alive is but like not, not even 39. Yeah, Christina. but like not like not like not like fucking 19 though, yeah. right? Like, I mean, I got a bit of a beard going on right now, mm-hmm. but I, it was like shorter, so and the hair was way more like fuckboy. So, so was he so worried like, like you shouldn't even be at the? You should you even be here? This is 19 nah, was just, plus he was, bar, he was man, just asking. Like, <laughs> he was just asking, and then yeah. and then I don't know why I like I brought it up on stage. It was just my very first show. I couldn't remember my my jokes. So I had a piece of paper, and then sometimes I was, I was so nervous that I couldn't figure out, like, where I was. So I just, mm-hmm. like, 
in your set like yeah and then i just i just like, like brought shit. it up and then it it ended up working and i was like okay so then i did it on the second show and when i did that i was just like i was like somebody backstage you know asked me if i was 19 and then i was like no well fucking how old do you think i am and then some people in the crowd would respond and then this old guy was like he said he what i he said what i later realized was legal but i heard illegal oh <laughs> right <laughs> So that 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 was my first like experience with hecklers, it, from my point of view, right? Where he yelled that out, and I have footage of it if you want to see it. But um, yeah, you can play it. I mean, if you want, it's up to do you want to play it? You could. Sure. I have. Do you? Can you load it up here? Is it on your t- phone or is it on yeah. YouTube or something? Well, or? I didn't. I didn't load it up on. It's yeah. on Google. Like if it's on the internet, I could pull it up on the TV. Or if not, I could. Uh, you can just play it. Like hold your phone right up to the mic and play the audio through it just fine too. I can send you a link. Um, hang on. Where is it? But yeah, I think that was an absolute comedy when uh, you got your first heckle, which is uh, it's pretty yeah. adorable to get your first heckle. <laughs> Can't that's remember. cool that uh yeah it's you guys and myself and a lot of us uh, everyone's had their first show at uh at the same spot i'll let everybody over at yuck yucks there and uh, yeah like it's interesting because sometimes i'll meet comics that when they go up uh, they just don't want to tell people about it and about they're vi- about doing comedy um, and sometimes they'll be like, oh, I, I didn't invite people until like my 20th show or something. Oh, wow. And I was okay. more of a, the kind of person like on my on my first show at Yuck Yucks. I was like, hey, uh, you guys want to watch me bomb? Come go, <laughs> like come over. This is going to be nice. great. And I invited like, what was it? Like 11 people like all came nice. to support me. That's and actually, yeah, it ended up turning out well. And uh, it was still one of my yeah. one of the best and, ones. And I, like, and I remember that... Uh, you know like i know one of the guys that works at one of the clubs one of my good friends and he he told me he's like i'm like do you have any tips for me he's like yeah yeah yeah. for your first few shows don't invite anyone you know and i'm like whoops (laughs) literally invited everybody me too that was like part of the hype you know that's why a lot of these amateur shows are successful is because they're amateur shows you're getting out there you're getting on stage your friends are coming and supporting you and I did that for long enough, and my friends came out for long enough that now I just don't invite them anymore. Like, like they're aware, and I advertise it, and it's on social media. Or if I'm specifically doing new material, I'll tell them. But otherwise, I'm like, I, I just feel bad that they've seen me do the same shit so many yeah. times. But at the same time, you you know, especially when you're starting out, you got to bring people out. You know, that's that's part of the game. I think I got it, but you said it was absolute. This looks like yuck yucks, eh? No, or? no, it's like a compilation, so okay, it'll be gotcha. the second clip there. That first, that first clip is pretty good, too. Actually, yeah. you can play it. It's one of those jobs where I'm forced to dress like this. It's, uh... <laughs> How much do you think an iron costs? <laughs> I guess your ex-husband was the uh, person that paid for everything. <laughs> That, yeah, that 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 lady was yelling out the whole time. Don't, don't answer that, okay? 
<laughs> you like being choked? <laughs> no, she's like, no. This was your first one, you said, or no? No, this was. Yeah, it doesn't look like your first time. Strap on. Feel free to talk while we're trying to do jokes, by the way. That's awesome. That's, that's really great. You know what I mean? This is my first one. Same outfit. Yeah. I usually wear the same rough thing for most shows too, to be honest. Better for filming and easier decision. I love that that could mean two things if he was saying legal and that like it could have been like some racist being like he's an illegal yeah, or, or somebody that's, that's who's exactly like he's underage like yeah. under 21 or something <laughs> <laughs> Is that Mark Hughes? I don't know. It looks like Mark yeah, this, this goes on for like 10 minutes, man. Okay. Yeah. Like, we can, we can yeah. that. That's cool. So though. the thing that you mentioned, that's exactly what I said to him, where, where I thought he said illegal. He was saying legal. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we got a friend from Kansas over here. They laugh. And I'm like, I'm just kidding, man. Arkansas, <laughs> whatever. Right. So that was that was like the way that I handled that, which was which was fine. And then and then uh, I actually like that was the first time I ever got heckled. Uh, and that was my second show. Mm -hmm. So I felt bad. And I bought the guy a drink after. Now I probably wouldn't. Oh, but, yeah. But I felt really bad. Only if you're, like, really ripping them. Like, I've seen that yeah. done in, like, some shows, especially where they were, like, intentionally. Like, you're at a big show at Absolute. I've seen this, you know, and they're really picking on the people in the front row in a funny way. It's all good fun. It's you're at the comedy club. It's part of the show, right, the host. But where then, like, that one guy, you know, they're really ripping him at that table, and then they come over and they bought him a drink and that sort yeah. of thing. It's kind of yeah. nice, right? But... When they're really involved in the show, but like I don't know, a random heckle. I think it's yeah. Like it's nice now, I wouldn't that, do it unless unless yeah. I was like a huge dick. But like even then, I yeah, probably wouldn't. It's a nice thought though. You know? <laughs> but that's yeah. that was my first one ever, so I felt bad and I did. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten like uh, mixed responses with that. Like some people will be like, "Where can I sit where they won't call me out?" Yeah, and I've gotten some audience members to tell me, "Where can I sit where where I will get called out?" Yeah, so they want to like be got that fifty fifty yeah. kind of. Totally. Yeah. Those are people who've been to a show or two before, you know? Like, yeah. they know what's going on. Those, those, are, those are the drunk bitches. <laughs> there, there was the worst, the most drunk girl I've ever seen. Actually, I, I honestly think we were talking about it, that she was probably on, like, mushrooms or something, too. Like, not, or ecstasy. Wow. Like, not just, like, drunk. 
this was at a show I was at with Rami, and we were both doing absolute. We were in the basement. She came in like halfway through the show with a guy. They were both definitely drunk, intoxicated, and she was talking the whole time. But she was sitting pretty like toward the back, like almost as far back as where the pool table is. Okay. So like she was right where all the comics were standing, so we could hear her fine. You, the the audience could definitely hear her too. She had just like that bitchy Becky voice, you know. And it was loud, and it was just her talking, just chatting with the guy that she's there. I I'll, I don't know if in one of my videos that I have where I was there, you just hear in the bank. She's like, "And when does it close? When do you work? And you work? You can drive me, okay?" Like she's just chatting, and you can hear it clear. From I guess I was recording toward the back too, but anyways, she's so annoying, and she wouldn't stop. And then she ended up getting asked to leave. Like they went like three, four times to her table, like, "Hey, you know, it's, it's a comedy show. It's you're not supposed." To. And you gotta, she's you like, gotta, "You gotta shut the fuck up." And, and she, she okay, can't really have your tits out right now. Yeah. Put, 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 put your tits back in. Okay, and he's really gonna put his dick away. <laughs> yeah, they were they were on something, man. So eventually they ended up leaving. And then when she, oh, right now, yeah, and then she, they got up and they kind of tuckered away and left and they also ordered like a big fucking pitcher of sangria or something and they just got there too so it was not helping anybody <laughs> yeah that was one of the worst and so it's, it's good yeah that the clubs deal with that have you guys ever had to deal with that shit yet or like you're prepared to if it happens at your show i guess like, i've i've gotten heckled man like almost every time bro yeah <laughs> no, but i mean like, like she wasn't yeah. even heckling she was just like a, oh just a like a loud patron, like interrupting you know, kind yeah. Of, yeah just somebody ruining everybody's vibe yeah know, we had in our show. in our second show it was around like it was around christmas time right so they had a couple uh christmas parties that were going on before us and they just didn't leave so they stayed mm. and we're like oh shit um so we we told them like 18 times trying to be like very like accommodating sure. yeah. to be like look you guys can you guys can stay we're not gonna kick you out you guys can stay but you gotta like you can't talk and if you're gonna talk just whisper but they weren't whispering. They it's were amazing just, they can't wrap their head around. They were just talking in their normal voices mm -hmm. or yelling across from because they had like two tables, right? Yeah, like a huge group yelling across tables and stuff. We're like, yo, you can't fucking. After a while, after Jesus. eighteen times, I mean, mm -hmm. that's pretty. That's a lot of chances, right? That's like way in, too in, much. In New yeah. York, I mean, you get three chances, then you're in jail for life, way. right? So, <laughs> like eighteen chances, Jesus Christ! Like, then we were a little bit more like strict. We're like, listen, you got you got to leave. And then we just slowly kicked them out. Um, so yeah, we've we've dealt with that. We've dealt with that for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, Hart also told us before that um, if they have someone that's causing issues, like um, they have a security. Like that's I true. don't know if they have like one or two guys or something. Mm -hmm. But they've told us before that if there's somebody that's causing issues, like we can get them to like leave. That's good. Uh, so which yeah. which really helps a lot. Like especially when you're in when you have like a hundred things on your mind, like mm -hmm. it helps out a lot with that. How did you even go about approaching them in the first place? Like you went in and today is like, I was wondering about like just to the bar or like, did you have to find them, the manager yeah, well, oh, or the man. owner I, or something? I, like or? I was scoping out venues for months, like just cause I knew over the summer and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Cause I knew, I knew that we, um, were eventually going to run a show because there just wasn't enough stage time in the city. So we had, we had to do our own. Um, and I was I was scoping everywhere out. I'd go out every single night and just walk around and see where it was busy, where it wasn't busy. And I made a list and, you know, like I, I kept it and I was like, okay, now of this list, where, like which venues do we want to do? And I brought Marwan along with me and 
you know, we went, we're like, okay, this place, the ceiling's a little high. And over here, it's like, here they want to charge us a thousand dollars per show. And like, there were, there were venues that legitimately were like, yeah, we'll host it. Uh, you got to pay us a thousand dollars. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. True. Can we have a card? We're leaving. Like, it's just, yeah. Ridiculous. That's, I guess, yeah, like some places that would offer their venue for like work parties or big things like that that's how they would do it though right like they have some sort of business model that probably goes for renting their space and it just doesn't make sense in a show like this that we're no, in this kind of thing not, right? like, not for this kind of stuff. yeah like uh the weird part about that is the venues that we approached were empty yeah that's why we approached them so when they were like yeah you know a thousand bucks on those nights eh? so like yeah that's why you went and you said oh, okay let's do a wednesday right like yeah yeah so we would go on a Wednesday and we would check to see if they're like empty or not. And okay, like, you know, for the ones that we approached, they were pretty empty. So we're like, what's your deal? And they said a thousand. And I'm kind of like from a business standpoint, I'm trying to wrap my head around this idea of like, you're trying to get a thousand, but you have nobody right now. <laughs> so if we bring like 50, 100 people, you would have people there and, you know, you we would be able to like sign with you guys kind of mm-hmm. thing um but if you guys are going to charge us a thousand you're basically pushing us away plus the 50 to 100 people that we could yeah. bring so it just didn't make any sense like yeah. i i really want to understand that big yeah. upfront well i imagine it's probably because they've done that before like they probably rented their venue to somebody else before for something or some event and then they've been able to charge a certain amount and that's just yeah, but like yeah. like you said, it's probably been work parties and stuff exactly, like that yeah, where different kind of they're literally just happen. renting it for themselves, yeah. whereas this um, brings them business. And it's a regular thing, and like you're yeah. having to yeah do a, do a lot on your end in that. Uh... Yeah, so the 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 venues that recognize the value of having a show, mm-hmm. those those made the short list, and then from there we're just like well. Heart and Crown is a place that people just like to go to in general, so let's just do that, mm-hmm. right? But we have we have backups. I mean, if it, if it ever goes off the rails and we can't do it there anymore, then we'll do it somewhere else. Yeah, that's the benefit, deal. I guess, of yeah. having the the branding name that you have a show name that the show can move. It's not venue specific. It's not tied to one place. It could be, I guess, or you, and it also has the opportunity to grow outside. You could stay at Heartcrown and do other places and still call it the same thing. Right. And just have multiple shows uh, from the people I've talked to. It seems there is a theme though, that keeping the show on the same day and the same time and the same place. And the consistency is really important to the success of the show and the branding, I think it it has been the case for a lot of other people. And then something else I was thinking, so you, you do do Wednesdays. Do you find or have you noted any direct or, or indirect competition between the Wednesday Yuck Yucks, which is a pretty hot night too for Yuck Yucks, uh, the new talent showcase? And uh, I yeah. believe, or I'm trying to think, there's a few others. That, there's a couple that happen on Wednesdays now. Yeah, it's you, the Absolute Pro-Am and the Yuck Yucks. That's right, yeah, the, the Pro-Am, showcase. that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like we always take into account other shows and what's happening on that week. If you know, for example, like Valentine's Day was is in February, and mm-hmm. we we discussed that, and we're like trying to figure out, okay, you know, Valentine's Day is the weekend. If we put our show before that, is that going to be a problem? So we're always trying to look into what's going on. And is fucking like Russell Brand going to come 
on the week that mm. we're performing. He oh, was that coming here in show. April. I don't know if you saw that. I saw it. He was yeah. coming in April. Yeah, he's doing I that some was cool. like addictions recovery thing though, or something. So I was like, that sounds neat, but <laughs> I wanted to get yeah. tickets, but yeah. um, they're like two hundred bucks right now. So oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, they're, that's they're, they're two hundred dollars. Yeah. I got to see him uh, a couple times. It was pretty amazing live. But the first time I saw him was before he was sober. And fuck, could you tell, man? Like, holy shit. Like, it's, so I was only like 13, 12, 13 maybe at the time. So I wasn't like fully aware of what a drug addict looked like. But like looking back on being at that show, and I still remember it quite vividly. It was a very memorable show. It was in like a small-ish I don't know, theater is not even the right word, like more of like a fringe type theater, but it was definitely a theater because, you know, the seats stacked up like this and it probably had a couple hundred people in it, but it wasn't like a big NAC type time when I saw him. It was at the Montreal Comedy Festival in probably, so if I was like, I don't know, this would have been like 2003 or 14 or 2004 or something like that maybe. Wow, okay. So he was anyways, he did some crazy shit and it was just this insanely fun high energy very like vibrant show and then like so yeah. so did this did this uh did this kind of move you away from trying drugs yeah i i never did yeah get into any of the shit that he was into <laughs> that's for sure he, he was like, on the hard Fuck stuff. That. i don't want to be like this guy. but i i thought that it was an insane show like i remember one like uh he went through the crowd like he was just like walking through us at one point and then there's like a lady there and he like picked up probably like a like mid 20s kind of you know he like took her purse and then just like walked away with it and then like went down to the the stage and then he was going through her purse and just looking at shit and everybody was dying and then he took her phone out at one point he's like who should we call and then he's going through and then he like called i think it was her mom he called her and then they were chatting and he was like holding it up to the mic and he was joking about how he was gonna impregnate her and shit <laughs> he's like oh he's God. like your wife, your daughter's gonna come home impregnated by you know like fucking me russell brand and <laughs> was just doing wild shit like That's having amazing. a time yeah it was pretty epic yeah, she's like which brand which <laughs> no but uh i've seen him with uh with like uh craig ferguson man that guy's probably one of the few guys that can keep up with Russell Brand. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they go back and forth, and it's what were they wild. on? Like, was it uh, you just saw on his, just on his show? Yeah. Like, but yeah, on his like YouTube show, podcast show. No, 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 like, no. Uh... Like when he had the show on on was it CBS or? Oh, okay. Craig, was it some late night? Yeah, I have to look it up. When he had the late night show, Craig Ferguson. Right. Right. Um. But yeah, no, they they spliced together like all his visits. He had he visited like three or four times or something. Mm-hmm. And you see, he like he like fucks with the set and like rips the robot's head off and all that <laughs> shit. And then he comes back and he's like sober and he's like apologizing. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun to watch his sober journey. Like I've I still really enjoy him actually as a comedian and speaker. I I don't I I mean he does less comedy now, so like I don't watch him as much lately for his comedy as much as I do for his like philosophy and. I just like, you know, he talks about really interesting shit and he speaks well about it too. He's always about consciousness and this and that. And I teach a course at Carlton that's called Neuroscience of Consciousness. So yeah. I've always been very uh, invested in those types of topics. Man, I, I completely so, forgot that you're a neuroscientist. I, I wanted to ask you, <laughs> since we're talking about drugs and stuff, yeah. what's your take on uh, on like psychedelics and stuff? Because you mentioned shrooms earlier. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we watched a comedy show on... What? On shrooms. Where was it? 
I don't recall that. He doesn't recall that. Okay, recall. it was maybe it was maybe just a couple of our friends that look like us. Um, I want to get your take on it. Like, what's wh- what do you think about that stuff? Because there's a lot of research coming out that's showing that it could be potentially positive for yeah, things like depression no, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, even at the Royal Ottawa Mental Health Institute, like right here in Ottawa, uh, they have a lot of studies going on for microdosing of like ketamine and microdosing um lsd i think even like they have a couple where basically you're doing the concept of microdose is that you do a dose that has a chemical effect but not a psychological effect so uh well it, it should have a psychological effect in terms of ameliorating or fixing whatever your symptoms were but that it's not enough to i mean like not enough to cause a high that's what microdosing is right and so they use such a low dose and yet there's been a lot of good evidence lately to show that low doses of this can be used to treat depression major depression uh, mdd or treatment resistant depression as well so depression that has where other treatments have failed so that's another yeah well the reason i bring it up is because i I think it's probably really prevalent in the comedy scene Mm -hmm. you know it might be something good for for some of the comics you know yeah it's a nice exploration i don't know i think there's a lot of cool evidence about doing psychedelics like mushrooms uh, that show you know individuals who have done uh, a significant dose of mushrooms or psilocybin even one time are more than 50% less likely to commit any violent crimes or do any, you know, commit any violent uh, things that have been registered or prosecuted, right? So even just those types of epidemiological facts are interesting to note because it shows a population characteristic about people who have experience with those drugs. And I'm, I'm all for them. I think like anything, you shouldn't abuse them. But using them in a way to see more things and explore your consciousness and explore your creativity, I'm all about it. Now, the thing you want to stay away from is like, you know, really addictive drugs like heroin and cocaine and crack and all that stuff because it doesn't really do much for your creativity crack, or really? anything. But yeah, it's the first you're hearing. Crack too? It's the first you're hearing about this. <laughs> you sure about crack? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we could maybe set that one aside. But I did some, I, that was one of the embarrassing things actually is that. When I was in Oshawa recently, I did a bunch of jokes about crack because I grew up in Oshawa and I was doing yuck yucks there and I did a couple crack jokes because you're in Oshawa when in Rome, you know, but <laughs> yeah. the thing was like my parents were there or my, my dad and like some old family friends were there and like I was making jokes about like, I'm sure they must know I was kidding because like I, you know, I was making jokes about me doing crack and obviously <laughs> this is made up and just different things like it was so out there that it's obvious I was just making a grandiose joke or whatever, but Anyways, yeah, that's always funny making jokes with your parents. Fucking walked out of the show. Yeah, doing dick jokes in front of your dad. I was talking about my own. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, like uh, (laughs) I have a lot of dick jokes and sex jokes and jokes about my dating life in in my set, and my parents haven't seen my set yet, Mm -hmm. and I don't think I can ever show it to them (laughs) because of the type of material that I talked to. Like, you know, I'm from the Middle East from a small country called Bahrain. It's close to Dubai, if you know where that is. Okay. And uh, it's a pretty conservative country, so they're not really exposed to that kind of thing. Like, they're Mm -hmm. exposed to Western media, but it's very different when your son is saying these things. Yeah. 
So yeah, to see yeah. that, yeah, put a face to it, you know. And it's... Are, you, are you gonna are you gonna ever like write jokes just for your parents to be like, here's a me en- <laughs> here's me enjoying some halal meat, you know, like probably like um, I'm trying to work on this bit about uh, like you know my mom and dad uh, they met on the wedding day, um, so I'm trying to work on a bit with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no idea where it's gonna end up, but you know we'll kind of see where it goes. Right, yeah, that'd be a fun one to workshop. I already. You could think of some funny things, yeah. yeah. How you could play that out? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've almost have, I almost have like no jokes about myself. And I realized when I sat down to like self-evaluate, mm-hmm. I realized all my jokes were just trashing things I couldn't stand. Yeah, and I was a like, lot of the... I was like, I was like, I'm a really fucking negative man. <laughs> 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 like, step outside of this a little bit. You like, play both sides, you yeah. know. I, there's things I love, things I hate, you know. A little bit of both. And yeah. Jokes about each of them, maybe. Yeah. yeah, and it's like once you get to know him, it's you're not at all surprising that that's the route that he's taking. <laughs> like he does rant about a lot of shit. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's that's like that's like my uh, I guess my fucking signature move. Yeah, just fucking <sighs> so, something comes up and I just start ranting on it for ten minutes. Yeah. That's why you're doing comedy, man. You got a lot to talk about, right? You got a lot to say, and uh, like yeah. I, I feel like I was an old man when I was like six, you know, like fucking old man yells at cloud. That was me at six, <laughs> right? Like just fucking shit annoyed me, and yeah. I don't know. Like I, I came, I came to, I came to Canada when I was six years old, and um, people here tend to complain about stuff that isn't a problem to me, mm-hmm. right? Because I came from like war and homelessness and you know, oppression and all this kind of stuff, right? So I've seen stuff that is, to me, way fucking worse than the stuff people here complain about, which is like, Absolutely, oh, my yeah. sweater. It's like, what? Shut the fuck up. Um, so the, pretty much everything just annoys me. Immigrants have yeah. a, a much better outlook on life, I think, than a lot of people, or at least a basis for being able to understand and, you know, have compassion and not be yeah. uh, complaining about lots and of dude, stuff. And, dude, I, I wasn't even an immigrant. Was I was I was a refugee, so, like, okay. it was like a war-type even situation, worse, yeah. you know, like, my mom would, would hide underneath stairs, they were bombing, and wow. she would, like, she's like, oh, well, if, you know, maybe, maybe if the rubble hits me first you'll survive like that kind of shit right and then people here are like complaining oh my dad didn't get me the right color corvette what i mean rich people you're talking about <laughs> not the middle class dude i still i, I got so I got, yeah, the complaints yeah. i i don't know if you do you like yeah. gary v or have you heard of gary Vaynerchuk oh yeah or, yeah, yeah. No. I, I like him a yeah. lot his, his content and what he does but one of the things he, he always talks about this is just yeah just not complaining like if you're you know, do what you want to do and do what you don't want to do or don't do what you don't want to do. But at the end of the day, just don't complain about it. And then everybody, you know, everybody be a little bit better off. You know, don't complain about your shit that, you, you know, if you're already. Yeah, like you're doing what you're doing and yeah. you, you can be grateful for that and just like be happy and appreciate what you got and stuff. You know, The so. problem is that that's his set. <laughs> like you just took away all his material right now. No complaining. <laughs> Not yeah, complaining. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like uh it's like very kind of very ranty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um I remember um There's a lot of good comics that could do that though, for sure. If you do yeah. it in a funny way, I think that that's funny, for sure. Yeah. I just mean like in terms of me and life, like I, I don't like to complain about things, you know, like or stuff that I can't control or stuff that's out of my shit, you know, it's like what's the point, you know? Well, it, I I tried stressful. I tried to I tried to like reduce the amount of things that annoy me and I just I thought about it like this and I was like Okay, 
um, everything annoys me. So how can I just reduce that so I'm not fucking annoyed constantly, right? And I just started thinking, I'm like, okay, this, when someone complains about X, Y, Z, to me, that's not a big deal. But to them, they haven't experienced all of this bullshit, right? So for them, their world is over here. And relatively speaking, that thing they're complaining about is negative in their relative bubble, Mm -hmm. right? So I just try to be a little bit more empathetic and be like, okay, for them, that's a big deal Mm. and it's negative, even though really it's fucking nothing. But for them, it is, right? So for them, it's a a big deal. And that sort of just helps me like um, rationalize it a little bit. But Mm -hmm. emotionally fucking I'm up here i feel you you know you. but rationally then the prefrontal cortex kicks in and it's like settle down buddy yeah you know chill yeah and sometimes it helps to just like vent about stuff to be honest like mm-hmm. i'm usually not a very negative person i'm pretty chill positive about stuff um, but i'm also really chill and positive about stuff because i just don't care about a lot of things like there's so <laughs> much stuff that same bro yeah it's like people take things <laughs> i can't so... be bothered with a lot of things man yeah it's like there's so many complaints mm-hmm. on twitter over some something some celebrity said and i'm just like i just don't care man mm-hmm. i just don't care and it's like it's it's weird because it's like the internet and part of society it's like forcing you it's like almost telling you that you're weird for not having an opinion on this and i'm just like yeah. no man i just, I just yeah, don't care I don't have time to care. That's how I look at it. Like, I keep myself busy enough with hobbies and things that I genuinely care about. Like, there's a lot of things that I love, and that's what I spend all my time on. So if there's something I don't care about at all, I won't spend any time or pay any attention to it. And therefore, I'm not going to have an opinion on it, and I'm not going to care about it because I'm not paying any attention to it. I only pay attention to the things that I want to do and the things that I like doing. Everything I like, I do. I like neuroscience. I got a PhD in neuroscience. I like comedy. I do comedy. You know what I mean? Like, these are the things I enjoy. That's how, and that's it. I don't have time to focus on other shit. And I think if people just had a little more hobbies and shit to do, they'd spend less time on all that other stuff. Like, get a hobby. It's funny because when I was the most active on, like, internet forums was when I was a teenager and I had nothing else to do. Same. So, so I can totally see all these people that are constantly tweeting and complaining about things are these people that they just don't have much going on. So they're just like, okay, I'm just going to go on social media and react. Totally. And it's totally understandable. Like if you're just looking at it from a human psychology and behavioral point of view, it's a natural thing to do. You use social media. I use it a lot too, but I use it rather purposefully. You know, again, yeah. it's goal-directed behaviorisms as opposed to most people and, and these individuals who are doing things like that are just consumed by the social media. They're not approaching it with a goal-directed behavior. It's just a, a way to fill time because they have nothing better to do, even though they have so much better that they could do. They just don't bother. You know, yeah. it's easy to do. It's easy to just spend time on that. Yeah, it's the, fun to be lazy. The, the, that, that whole thing, with it, it's mainly Twitter, I think. Twitter is where you can go and just like dive into like all kinds of shit that has nothing to do with you mm-hmm. and and just be like, oh, I'm, get into arguments. Yeah, I'm like, I'm now culture. outraged about this thing that does not affect my life in any way. Outrage culture is hilarious. Yeah. And counterculture, the uh, yeah. or not counterculture, the can- cancel culture and all that shit. Yeah. 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 Do we want to get into this? Yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I think mean, so. Maybe yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> 
imagine you get a lot to say about it. it sounds like we can thing. get pretty deep in that. We've uh, had so many conversations. It, it about can go. That, so. It can go on for fucking hours. To yeah. Be honest, so like, uh, well, I'll, I'll get us back on track then yeah, real quick. There was sure. a couple of last things that I was thinking I, I want to ask still in general, and then uh, we might wrap it up soon, anyways. But uh, one of the things, so you, you've been producing a bit now. You've been doing the comedy. I think I already know the answer to this because, like you said a bunch of times, you know, the main reason for doing. The show was more stage time, but in your experience in both of these, like, do you like one more than the other, producing or doing the stand up or both, or like, how do you how do you juggle that in yourself? Yeah. You want to take that? Um, for me personally, yeah, definitely the comedy is way more fun yeah. and than the than the producing, but mm. the producing gives you a gives gives us like I think both and even me like a really good understanding of just the business side of yeah. comedy because if you don't understand the business side there's this whole kind of like networking aspect and getting to know people mm-hmm. and uh, to comedy that I didn't understand and I didn't even see before getting into it. But once I got into it, I'm like, oh, like uh, there's a lot more to this whole like, you know, meeting people, getting to know different comics, mm-hmm. getting to know like supporting their venues um, and all that, that it's like, oh, okay. Like, so there is this whole side of it. And that's what I need to get into if I want to kind of like make it in yeah. the scene. Uh, so there's that. And I also need to work on my material. Um, and, I, and I've seen like uh, some comics that I initially thought like, oh, okay, you know, this guy is uh, pretty funny. And then I'll see them like booked for a weekend spot. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're already kind of there. Like, that's pretty impressive. Um, and I started understanding that it's not 100% just like how super solid your material is. It's also about like, you know, networking and getting to know people. Yeah. It's about showing up to the clubs, being there, uh, you know, showing up to the shows, doing the stage time. And yeah, once you you meet enough people and then people like you and the right people see your set and they want you to come back. And once you get offered a a middle or two and, you know, part of it's yeah having the time, the guys who are able to be out there three, four nights a week, because if you want to work in comedy, uh, the way that it's based on a hiring model too right like to work in comedy you're gonna get hired usually for like a week at a time or maybe many weeks but you might get hired to do five shows in a week because like for for the way absolute works for example i'm pretty sure their model is that every week they'll hire the same comics to run that week they host and feature the monday night the tuesday night the wednesday night all the way through and then on the weekend they might have a different extra feature or they're doing that person's doing another. So if you don't have the capacity or bandwidth to be there full time, then you can't even take that position. Like you can't even be a paid comedian, for instance, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a, I mean, I think that applies to like Walmart as well. Like if you're not <laughs> exactly, available. Yeah. You can't take a shift, Yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, no, the, 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 the comedy, the comedy is way more fun than producing and producing is a headache. Mm-hmm. it's a pain in the ass it's worth it though cost money you know i mean it's i from, think it's worth i think it. it's yeah. worth it the yeah. the the feedback we've gotten from a lot of a lot of comics is that they appreciate that there's another stage yeah. with a real crowd absolutely right so comics have been telling us they appreciate it which is awesome um and that was our whole goal is to have a stage with a real crowd it's it's great to get up at Yucks and at Absolute and perform in front of a real crowd that's at a comedy club that's expecting comedy. They're not there at a at a bar trying mm-hmm. to watch the football game and being like, "What? What's going on over here?" Like, 
you know, which was what happened last time at the other show. I don't want to say it, but um, yeah, there was literally people just watching the football game and they would just between plays, they would look over. Just kind of catch what's yeah. on stage. <laughs> like, yeah. But. And like, that's kind of uh, like, we've like both listened to a lot of podcasts from comics mm-hmm. from like, you know, NYC and stuff. And that's the regular comedy scene is just like the whole going to an, a bar, trying out jokes. Mm-hmm. And then you get like the comedy seller or like something exactly, like that. Yeah. And those you kind really of, like, gotta work shows. up to that exactly. Like, I do yeah. know some folks from here though have gone and done some shows. Like if you like, you can try to book something from Ottawa and get a random spot at the cellar or somewhere, and then you gotta just you know pay the two hundred bucks, fly yourself out there, and go and do it. It probably an unpaid show as well. But I mean, if you're a regular paid comic here, you might be able to get booked out there for sure. Like if you're willing, you you can do it and you have the funds to like fly yourself out there and go and do a show but then they also you know on the podcast they talk about on some of they have the other rooms in there and like some of the rooms at the cellar is like that four person room you know where you're talking about where and and they they talk about the same thing they don't like to do that room either because they know like they'd rather be on the big room like then they know they could be on the big room too yeah yeah i I didn't even i've never been to the cellar so i mean i just hear about it constantly i guess that's i haven't been either i would love to visit yeah i want to go to all those nice clubs and that but it's it comes up a lot yeah in those like new york and la podcasts and yeah yeah yeah. but one thing that some of the toronto comics were telling us was that the there is a like a lot of opportunities to get up uh in toronto but the rooms suck is Mm. what they were saying yeah i see i don't know but that's what they were saying i don't know as well either i've done gta stuff but never like in toronto city I've done like Oshawa yuck yucks, Ajax yuck yucks, and that, but not. Oh yeah, Toronto, yeah, no, I don't mean the, like the clubs. You just mean the other venues, like yeah, the, the random shows. shows. There's a lot yeah. of them too, because like I'll see, um, you know, like the guys I know who are in Toronto and they're doing shows there now, and and they're the regular paid comics who are doing well, but some of them are out it, doing literally four or five shows in a night, like we were talking about in LA. So I guess there is yeah. that much in Toronto. Uh, which there still isn't quite here. And to some extent, I, I thought, you know, maybe it'd be a disadvantage to have a show on the certain night as same with some of the clubs. That's why I was asking you guys. But then I'll be at a show with some of these guys, and then they're leaving to go to the next show yeah, that we had, night. We had that. There. We had that. We had a comic that had another set at Yucks, yeah. and that's, we put him early so you can yeah, go to a set at cool. Yucks, right? So. It's nice of you to accommodate, yeah. too. But, yeah, like those are the guys who are really hustling at that point. You know, they're getting on yeah. multiple in a night. Yeah, I mean, we we hope that we could we could do that. I mean, we don't have the capacity here in Ottawa to do that. There's sometimes two, maybe three shows in a night yeah. or something, but uh, but you won't be booked on all three. Right? No, exactly. So. Yeah, I think we're lucky with what we've got so far. But the effort from like you guys and everyone who's doing the shows around here is, is showing. And I yeah. think in time, you know, like we've got the capacity in Ottawa eventually to you know build up what the same kind of thing that they got going on in la and new Hopefully, york except man. they have I mean, you know 20 million people and <laughs> yeah i don't know if we have the population yeah. but that's a, that's a bit of a disadvantage but yeah 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 but, but we got the internet though and then at the end of the day the internet that's we got you can reach everybody so that's true that's true that's the other thing another. too is like a lot of the comedy that might not work for the stage might work for the internet so you could get yourself mm-hmm. out there that's one of the reasons why i started a show too is i realized i had a lot more that i wanted to talk about that wasn't just you know just comedy or sometimes i'd be writing a bit and i'd be like you know what this as i listen to tons of podcasts lots of comedy ones too and i'd be list writing i'd be like you know this bit is really like would actually come sound better on a podcast probably it'd be better in a long form whatever talk it out and just do the whole thing as opposed to 
if I've got just six, eight minutes on stage, I got to boil this down to a thing. Like, so you know what I mean? I was writing stuff that worked better for podcasts. I was like, yo, I'm going to work on that. And then I was like, really, I would like to put together series. And because I was recording lectures and recording the science stuff that I'm doing, that's kind of why I branded this Matt Buchanan Studios. And I am, you know, separately, just my one comedy account, Matt, Matt underscore comedy. But the studios is just so I can produce all the stuff I can put out my comedy stuff there i can put out science stuff there it's all part of the same it's all here it's all matt buchanan's studio and then if other people want to be doing a show or they want to come in and use the space it's like okay well you know you're doing featuring such and such show at matt buchanan's studios you know and it's just shared credit and that sort of thing like just to kind of brand it that way and eventually it might get to the point where i can be you know renting out space or just doing collaborations and again i'm I'm do my best to just model after what I see and the people who I admire who are already doing it. So you look at the studios like King and the Sting and these guys over the fighter and the kid. And, um, this past weekend, like that's all in one little studio. They all have like a, a space where they just have them all in that room and everybody works out of those rooms. And like, it makes sense. Right. That's probably, yeah. that's probably why they're featured on each other's shit so much. Dude. All the time. They're like, they work <laughs> Fucking next, next door. Yeah. They don't quite have like the whole Rogan, uh, fortress going on but he's so and then the same because i kind of like i like how he does his and he has lots of people from different avenues and stuff and i don't know i think people who are into science they can might get they might get into the comedy stuff that i'm doing too but otherwise i'm fine to have separate avenues for those things and yeah i was gonna say like with your science stuff like you could probably you're doing a separate podcast for that it's all under Matt Buchanan Studios, yeah. yeah, and just like, but just different series, so to speak, and the types of things that I'm talking about, yeah. But yeah, that could that could be fascinating in and of itself. The stuff, yeah. the stuff I talk about is really cool, yeah. And uh, again, none of because I'm recording them in bulk right at the beginning. At this point, they're not available yet. There's some stuff I have on YouTube because it's just like I put it out over years ago. Uh, but not the stuff here, but yeah, like some of the main stuff I'm getting into, I'm talking about brain computer interfaces and like the new companies that are doing that, like all stuff that I'm specialized in as well. So I'm speaking from an expert's point of view and as just somebody who's keen on the tech. So a lot of neurotechnology stuff, brain imaging software, brain stimulation, and yeah, the connection between brains, computers, and well, as well as the companies who are like that, really that's fucking wild, man. Super cool, yeah. dude. Yeah. I, like, I want to hear about that right now. Like, just, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Man. When's that shit releasing? Hopefully, real soon too. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all coming that's soon really cool. too. I'm excited for that. So yeah, it's like my two big passions: comedy and neuroscience. And I'm just lucky I'm able to spend time on both of those yeah. as much as I can. Like yeah. w- one of the things that I thought would be really interesting is is um you know like creating um you know that whole thing where they talk about figuring out a way to upload the brain right Mm -hmm. um so if they if they can do that then essentially like somebody can can pass on but then you know you got your like mufasa in the cloud where you can always go to them and be like you know you can go to talk to them or or get wisdom from them or Mm -hmm. whatever right like and today's like a point in day because like fucking kobe bryant died today that's fucked yeah like, that's yeah. wild. I still can't believe Insane. it. Um, you know, but like, imagine if his brain was 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 in a computer, and mm-hmm. you could talk to Kobe. It's still upload, yeah. And it's you know. it's it's one conversation to discuss what what would be the reality of that being that you could still communicate with, and what would 
you know, how you would define what it is, even if it was a fully communicational type bot, like if it was in a computer like this and you could hear his voice or it was still their thoughts and all that. It's one conversation I have about that, but it, it, the idea of that being possible, I think is fascinating in that it is something that could in theory be possible one day uh, through a symbiosis of AI and AI and humans in a sense, being able to download it it's a capacity of bandwidth really and being able to you know capture everything that's happening and it's also that one of the challenges is would be something that would really have to happen over a long period of time i think it would involve like having to have lots of audio and video and tracking if depending on how robust you wanted this like simulation or this version of that person downloaded version to be uh, like there's some could, could you have like like the, their version upon the date of their death and then updated versions where you feed that um that i guess ai or whatever like new information new information that, yeah, and yeah. then it filters through their brain let's say in theory all you know? that's uh, that's all possible i would think yeah. yeah that's something that you could do like you've seen i've seen that in some sci-fi movies and, and stuff and you know there's actually a company from ontario uh, i can't remember what the name is offhand uh there's so many of these different companies from the Ontario Brain Institute that sponsors them. But one of them, that was their initial goal. Like the reason this company started was their pitch line was we're going to download the brain into a computer. And since then, they've somewhat shifted their focus because that's not really a plausible goal right now. Probably not for the next, you know, 50 years even, but that's what they started. And then now they've got, I don't know, something like 20 million in funding to work on some other things and uh well, similar to that based on their tech yeah so like i thought there was like this super interesting uh black mirror episode where uh they basically they had a are you familiar with the show yeah, black yeah i've seen not yeah. all of them. i've seen a bunch of them but yeah yeah there was a one where like the premise was um the wife's uh, husband dies and then they end up downloading all the comments and everything he's done on social media mm -hmm, mm -hmm. into like kind of like a chip and yeah. they put it in the guy and he kind of acts like very similarly to what he was like. Yeah. And I thought that was super interesting. It's like, okay, so it works pretty well for people that are active on social media because it'll just take everything that you have on social media. But if you're not a heavy user, it wouldn't work as well. And I, I th always thought that was like a the most apolitic like practical yeah. implementation of that that i could see right now yeah it's really a, it's a matter of input right it's like how much input that you are putting into the system to make it learn what you're like and what your behavior what type of response you would have in this type of situation uh so like if it's yeah. a certain situation and you want to talk and engage to it if it's your passed away father and you want to go to your father dad computer and talk to your dad computer you would expect advice that from it that would be something like what your father would have said to you so it needs to be familiar with his types of mannerisms the types of things that he said and his you know his voices and whether or not it actually had the same sound or if it had any visual would be one thing but the types of responses all based on yeah like what input could go in so the idea of like just downloading the brain is kind of different too like or hard you know how it's hard coded that would be like a whole other process in itself the, the like, other thing too is like that that's sort of like a bot right if to if you were to sorry, i'm just gonna plug this in but sure i was like i thought i left it plugged in Sorry, everybody. We're back. But yeah, no, I, I thought I left it plugged in because uh, one of the last times um, when I had Janelle here, it cut out. At, I think it died around like two hours. I think we're a little around there right now. Yeah. 
just about 210. And that, anyway, so I was just fucking wanted to make sure I didn't die right in the yeah, middle. No, that's because good, that's that also call. runs this one. Oh, oh, oh okay. Well, it's it's facilitated through it, so like. Yeah, if that dies, then this then is this dies too. too all right, right, right. Well, it'll. It, I could turn it on, but it would. Uh, it'd be capturing blind. Yeah. Anyway, I guess. I guess. I guess. Like. I guess. Like it'd be good to just keep it plugged in from the beginning. It should have been. That's. Yeah. I just looked over and realized yeah. it wasn't. I was like, shit. That's See, that's the, the producer is, shit, right? Exactly. <laughs> See, that's the producers though. Like we we realize little stuff like that all the time. We're like, oh shit, we should have done this or closed the door yeah, here yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Little shit, man. Happens all the time. But yeah, Black Mirror and this shit is wild. Upload the brain. I think it's possible. Neuralink, what what um, Elon Musk Elon is Musk, working yeah. on. That's one of a few companies doing that sort of thing. And that's, I mean, one of the closest you're going to get. Like his is more about brain-computer interface. It's about, which is, we already, like we do that stuff in our lab regularly, brain-computer interface stuff. I've published some papers involving this, but fairly rudimentary stuff. You know, the idea of most brain-computer interface in a medical field at least is that you know you're going to use it to uh like you could help somebody who's in a wheelchair like control the wheelchair with their brain for example or if somebody's had a stroke and they've lost a lot of motor control you can like use that to bypass their motor control uh people like stephen hawking you know with als and they're in this syndrome where they have very minimal motor movement he used something that was like a bci it just used a signal that was from his cheek though right so it's same thing like a brain computer interface it's just sending a physiological signal to a computer which can decode it and then make an action from the computer produce some sort of algorithm and then activate onto another program and yeah there's endless applications of it many that i'm have talked about and will be talking about more but i guess when you first start with that stuff you've got to really zero in on big medical uses like what you just mentioned Mm -hmm. and then later on you can get to like random fun stuff yeah right so one of the papers that i wrote was called uh, like a summary of uh, current brain computer interface applications so it was i looked at brain computer interfaces from the point of view of medical applications uh, military applications and then consumer applications and consumers definitely come later because the consumer applications involve cheap models. So, like, there's one that's called a cocoon, for instance, which is like a pair of headphones like this, but there's two electrode sensors in it, and it can sense your brain activity from there. You buy these for a couple hundred dollars, and technically they work and they do sense a bit of brain activity, but the thing is that they're a consumer device, and this couple hundred dollar device versus a research medical grade device, which is, you know, say five, ten grand or a hundred grand has a lot of level of sophistication and fidelity that's not built into these consumer devices. So these kind of came later. We came up with cheaper ways of getting brain images or sensors to the brain in order to like play games. So there's some games you can play. There's like a brain controlled helicopter. You can like make it fly up and down yeah. and pitch or there's like the meditation ones where you put it on. And so supposedly senses your brain, uh, like the muse or the emotive or something, but they all have a lot of limitations in that, but it's the military and the medical that get the most money and are the, excuse me, the most interesting, I think. Like, now, are you able to extrapolate to like current lifetimes to say, you know, within our lifetime, we might see this or that? Like, is, is that something that you can kind of talk about or is it, or is it just kind of like, well, we'll just do the research and whatever happens, happens? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's really slow because it is just research. But, I mean, military drives a lot of this stuff forward. And it's kind of, there's a lot of advancements that have been made there that aren't public or aren't uh, accessible. It's not like they're hidden or secretive necessarily, but it's just like they're not ubiquitous. They don't, you don't see them everywhere already. But the applications are out there for some of this stuff. And I don't know, I think there's a certain degree like brain computer interface stuff like us being able to use just our brain signals to control simple things like around the house for instance like taking over a google uh, google home and being able to control and turn on your tvs turn on your lights i honestly think there's products that'll be in that realm within 10 years time there's already stuff that could do that to a rudimentary level but it's not it's not a household product yet so like without saying you know hey google or hey siri yeah it, you just you think just, it. you just think yeah. It. Yeah. it decodes the signal okay. so like yeah that, that'd be a, a complicated conversation to get down but it's all based on signal processing and so it's like how you get that signal and how you can differentiate certain signals so like one of the limitations is how many commands you can send because if you only use a couple of different sensors like one here and one here well in a sense you have two Maybe you could send two commands, one from each part, but then you have to calibrate it. You have to teach your brain how to control this sensor and this sensor. In the laboratory, we have caps that have 70 sensors on them, and we have ones at Chio that have 128 sensors on them. So you can get a lot more fidelity and sophisticated signals. You can combine sensors to mean certain things, and then all this is what allows you to have output on something. Uh, so if I want to send a command to a computer, up, down, left, right, well, now you have four different signals that you need to be able to differentiate in your brain and through the algorithms to send those four. So if I want to be able to turn my TV off or say, hey, Siri, or ask it to play Spotify, it has to get very good at learning what the different signals look like in the brain. And it's machine learning models that are kind of getting there now, where if you are able to eventually just record in real time brain signals, that it could decode them to a certain extent to tell you stuff. So stuff recorded off the scalp, is useful for a lot of these things but the best examples of anything that we've seen for brain computer interfaces is when you implant electrodes they're called cortical micro electrode arrays they put like this is what elon musk is using where there's like thousands of sensors microscopic sensors that get implanted on your cortex directly touching your brain wow. so not there's no skin there's no scalp there's no skull layers between that it's just on there and so you see examples of this in, in scientific research in people who have like epilepsy, for example, or people who have Parkinson's, certain disorders that require surgeries, they've been able to take that opportunity where they're already doing a surgery. So because I'm already doing a brain surgery, right. we're right. going to take that opportunity to an implant electrode in there. Of course, if the person has consented to this, this research study or whatever, but because you can't do those studies elsewise. You can't propose with proper consent that somebody is going to let you do a brain surgery just to do that for, for research purpose. So you, we take advantage of these and those people though, like when, when we've done that, if you get an electrode right on the brain, the type of fidelity that it has is already insane. Like you can, it, this has to be highly calibrated and specific to people, but they've been able to show like thought processes of like you thinking things. So you, let's say you repeat, they give you a sentence or like certain words, and then you repeat those words like a hundred times. And then the machine learns through machine learning and deep learning. It'll learn what the signals were from everywhere that was happening while you said the, so by repeating that like a hundred times, then 
you feed in just the signal without saying it and then you ask it to reconstruct it and it can do that with like you know in the high 90th percentile now just off thoughts so like reconstructing voice signal images things you're picturing so like if you're asked to like if you're shown a picture and then you're asked to imagine it x amount of times and then you can recreate it it'd be like a pixelated version but they've already been able to do that sort of thing and then he's trying wow. to he's trying to incorporate ai with the human brain isn't that right? yeah so the yeah. idea is that through by adding these electrodes in that they can not only send signals in but also record signals out and that if you had an AI that it would basically kind of like allow you to interact as if you could like just seed into the internet and just, you know, think I want to Google something and then you kind of get the answer. It sends it back to you somehow non-verbally and non, you know, just through your brain. Now I wonder what that would feel like, like maybe not the first rudimentary version Mm -hmm. of it, but something that's, that's, you know, been worked on a little bit. Would you think that it's yourself thinking these thoughts? I think eventually when it becomes sophisticated enough that it would be seamless. Like you wouldn't really see much difference between what you're thinking and like, it would just become like another part of your mind. Just like, it'd be like having another organ. It'd be like, holy fuck, I'm really smart. You know, it'd be amazing. Like imagine adding on a new organ. Like if, if you'd never had a nose and then all of a sudden now you have a nose or you never had eyes and now you have vision, that's kind of what it would be. It's like adding in this new thing, which for a while at first would be very immersive in, valuable you would see all these things you'd be learning all these new things you never learned but then after long enough it would just be part of your first person experience right right right. just like falls into the background yeah man that's crazy that's wild man it's pretty wild shit yeah and the fact that there's people getting really close to working on that and that like we do some of this stuff right here in ottawa and at the Ottawa Hospital here in the neurology unit too, like there's a neurology. I wonder if like unit, society would shit. change entirely, like systems of government would change. Yeah. If imagine if everybody was wired up like this, mm-hmm. and you said fifty years. Sorry, you said... I bet you could do something. I mean, ten years you could have probably consumer control over things like TVs and internet through like Internet of Things and like that's whole smart home, yeah. basic control. And I bet there will be. There's already companies making good headway on vr uh bcis brain computer interfaces right now like there's games in the app store right now that you can play with bcis and vr so 10 years from now it's gonna i guarantee gaming will include some sort of like there will be a specific type of genre of gaming just for brain oriented signals and this is something I thought about pursuing at one point from like a company point of view, but I abandoned it all the idea of trying to make a hardware company. Uh, I started working on it and it's not worth it. But the idea was that, yeah, like you could make some, some hardware. So if you're playing a game and, you know, let's say it's, um, let's say you're playing like Lord of the Rings and, you know, you're, you have a sword, you could fight people, but you also have some magic, but that magic was just, you had to play your game and you just thought about it and it happened. Like, that's pretty fucking cool. You now, know? now, would you even need a VR set or would it be able to produce the images directly inside your brain? That's a good question. I mean, that, again, I think technically that could be the case where, but it would be more immersive, I think, to put it in VR, yeah. just in the same way that like, I can go into my head and I can replay stuff. Like not everybody has the, the ability to have like a really good memory or visual memory, but like right, for instance, right. like I could play back for something in my head, like a video, but it's still not quite as stimulating as well, I guess having you still get the, the signals from, from the eyes. Right. So it, yeah. yeah, so like if you imagine something or if it just exists in your head, it's at a lower threshold than 
if it was coming at you through a physical manifestation, a physical stimuli. And we've actually we've done a lot of experiments on this using brain imaging in our lab. It's called the interaction between perception and imagination and sort of looking where they tie in with one another and how they interfere or facilitate one another and the fact that generally it's, it's the same brain regions that are involved a lot in what we're imagining and what we're actually perceiving, but it's a different integration and it's a different level of processing that occurs when it's something that's actually coming from an external source as opposed to an internal source so could it yeah. could it make you feel like if you were let's say flying could it make you feel wind could it make that sensation inside your brain do you know what i mean yeah honestly i think any sensation that you experience is experienced by virtue of your brain so anything that you could imagine you could technically so create so, inside your brain so, like you so, could create that sensation in your brain yeah. and you know Pornhub's gonna beat everyone to the punch oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> so oh, man. yeah get ready they're probably they're probably major funders on this right yeah. they're already on some they're VR announcing shit, it tomorrow you know? yeah <laughs> we thought we were 10 years away but thanks to porn we are we are a thriving yeah, yeah. it's yeah. all about Pornhub and elon musk yeah yeah that's really his his back end goal. He's the. Uh, so yeah, I just want to fuck on Mars, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy and he's had a, he's had too many wives already, right? So he probably yeah, would, yeah. he would love to just have a VR. He just popped wife another baby, you know, another didn't robot he? life. Yeah, how many wives? I think he's had a, a few, and then he like remarried his ex wife again. Like he got married oh, to, wow. and then divorced his wife, and then he married her again, and then. Apparently, when he was like at, at their wedding day, when they were having their first dance, he said some totally like Elon Musk to her, where he was like, "He's like, I'm the alpha in this relationship," <laughs> or something like that. Elon, I feel like obviously is like he's a genius, but I think he like bro, he fucked up his wedding like on the way. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, I'm in the doghouse, bro. It's your wedding day. Yeah, I'm still in the doghouse. Just started and like gets divorced and then remarries her again. Like she's just coming for another take. Like she's doing a long con, and then that's like I only, I only got worked se- twice. I only got seven million last time. He's worth more now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like some people are like that. They're just they're really smart on the business side or the tech side, but when it comes to relationships, they're just garbage. And I've met like. A couple of people that are like that. They just they they suck at the relationship yeah, part. Probably gonna... me. This probably... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what no. he's saying is you're garbage. And uh... no, man. I fuck. Uh, being single is so much easier. That's for damn sure. I, I don't seem to do well when it comes to like having to be in a relationship. I don't know. I've been in many, but uh, clearly none of them <laughs> have, have lasted. It's tough, man. You could say you could say everything you think is like the right thing to say, and then you say something, and then they get upset because you didn't say it the right way, or yeah, just exactly. something. I mean, it's wild, man. Like you, you could put yourself in the doghouse for anything, mm-hmm. and it's different for each girl. Always, yeah. So. It, it can always be something, you know. That's what it is. Yeah. That's, oh man, yeah. Is, is that is that your? Uh, your well, field of expertise. The thing is, like, I was, uh, I got single in like what October, uh, late late September. I like that. You, I September. got single. <laughs> oh. Like you just just uh, I'll just yeah, I'll get I'll get it. I'll uh, pick. It's like Netflix <laughs> subscription. You're just like yeah, I, I'll get single, <laughs> just for the month. I'll try a thirty day trial. I don't know she. <laughs> and we'll see. And then I'll pay for it. After. Yeah. It's like uh, yeah, like I, I became single. I guess in uh, yeah. late September and. Honestly, it's just, you know, maybe it's because it's like the 
because it just recently happened. It's just like way more relaxing and I have way more time to mm-hmm. do other stuff. Uh, way more time for comedy, way more time for work. And uh, and it's like, it's like a, there's like this readjustment period because I have so much more free time. Yeah. And then it's like, you just That's, fill it up so quick. Yeah. And I feel like if you're someone that doesn't have a lot of like hobbies and s- stuff to do, mm-hmm. it can get really depressing. Yes. Like to just be like, like, oh man, I miss my adjustment accent. period. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So, so like, I've been lucky with that. Uh, but uh, with him, he's like on the opposite end where he's, you know, he's in a serious relationship, so he has to always take that into yeah, account. Yeah, you got to so. be committed and stuff, right? And so, yeah. it's I have the same things it's you mean. Way more, more than time. it's way more than just being committed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's like it's like the way that guys think, girls don't think the way we think, right? So. Um, we have to almost try to like understand we got the, the empathy part is the toughest thing because, you know, for me personally, I'm trying to think of things rationally and it's not always rational stuff doesn't always make sense. Right. So I have to like, think about it. Okay. How would this make her feel? Yeah. Not what makes sense. Really true to, yeah, like, yeah. Right? Think and about what they would think. Yeah, yeah, like, put myself in her yeah. shoes and be like, okay, well, if I do, if I did this, then she would feel this way, so technically this is the right thing to do, but it would upset her, so I gotta do the wrong thing so she can be happy. <laughs> like, you know what's crazy is, like, that sort of thought process, when you're in a relationship, you really do apply it to a relationship, but I kind of apply that thought process just to, like, business and comedy and life in general like strategizing like if i let's say i want to you know have a business type decision or i have to make or i'm engaging with a a client in something or for you from like a real estate point of view you might think okay i would genuinely i would take time and i call it it's a form of meditation really it's just like you know very goal-directed thinking where you're you would think okay this client I'll, i'll use real estate as an example like you know, what is it that they want? And based on, because everyone's different. And then you really try to imagine, like, I imagine, okay, I'm a, I'm them. I'm a 40 year old woman. I am recently single now and I'm looking for a home. My husband had just died. And then I try to think if all these things were me, I do I have kids. And then I put myself exactly in the situation of what I'm trying to engage with by imagining it. I simulate it, which is another fascinating component of the mind is our ability to simulate stuff. It's a uniquely human capability but and then you you simulate that and then you you try to strategize the best way to deal with that situation and this is something that i uh to probably never did in a relationship and i would totally (laughs) benefit from but when you apply that sort of thinking like i guess i'm just like it it must just i don't know selfish piece of shit i guess i got (laughs) i don't think about enough of those things you know what honestly thinking about like honestly i want to do it it is it is like a huge a huge um like issue that I had before was was selfishness right and it was it was you know like I had one of my exes who was like um she liked gifts right okay. she liked gifts and mm-hmm. I never understood that I was like why why what? what's the big deal about gifts yeah. like we do all these crazy things and we go to these like restaurants or whatever who gives a fuck about like you know a bracelet or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck like who cares right you don't you're not even gonna wear mm-hmm. it all the time but for her, that was, like, super important. And I never understood it yeah. until way, way, way after. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, okay. So this is the way that, for her, it shows that you care about her and you thought about it. And then that item reminds yeah. her of you. And 
See, that's interesting too that you'd say that. Like, this is I was that kind of I don't know. It's some Marie Kondo bullshit. I don't know who it is, but they they talk about love languages. Yeah. You know, where it's like some people's love language is this. Like mine was I was that kind of guy where I would like I'd see something cool somewhere and I'd made me think of you, and so I buy it and I give it to you. I was a big gift giver, but I wasn't, and, and we would do things, but I wasn't a giver of like other things. Often it was time would be an issue for me because I was yeah. very I guess selfish about my time, what I like to do. I really like to do what I like to do when I want to do it and i spend my time on my interests and that's why i'm great single i've noticed <laughs> I'm it seems yeah. to work out that way and i've come to accept that and i'm fine with that i have enough things to keep me going and i'm you know i think everybody has to love themselves and the longer you're single you either you start to love yourself a lot or you you become depressed as shit well, <laughs> then, well i mean also you, you know? have you have no choice but to love it's yourself which is where pornhub comes in back um. to porn everything comes back to porn <laughs> Actually, there's a new joke. Oh, no, I don't want to give the bit away because I haven't done this bit before, but it's a new. It's a joke that I'm working on like that. And actually, I mean, this could be a, a little teaser because I might do it. I'm going to have a show. I know I already have one show booked uh, for this month coming up on the 11th at Comedy Eddie's with Janelle. Oh, nice. But I'm, I am I've wrote in for all the other ones. So like, I know I didn't get Yuck Yucks because they already posted Yuck Yucks this month. So I, I didn't get booked there this month. Uh, but there was only a few... I mean, there's less spots. It doesn't fuck. It doesn't matter. Point is, yeah. I'm still waiting to hear back, and because it's around Valentine's Day, I got like a couple things that I want. I think I'm finally gonna. I wrote this bit like, I don't know, half a year ago already, and I've just not done it yet because I have way too much stuff written for the amount of stage time that I get. So I'm always trying to bring new shit out, and now I think it'll 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 pop nice on a Valentine's type show or like close enough. Which should be good. Well, if you don't, if you don't want to burn it, maybe after uh, after we stop yeah. here, you can yeah, I'll do that us. actually, and just we'll give you some you feedback think. or something. Yeah, you know, I'd appreciate that too. Bit, yeah. You know? uh, what's your writing process right like right now? That's yeah. I was wanted to ask you guys that too actually. So I don't know. I, I have my process. I I write just all the time throughout my day basically. Like I don't. I'm not just like working and then I spend an hour on writing. But it's just like something happens. I take it. I write it. And I put it in my phone. I think Super I just sad. lost this guy. Yeah. Her makeup's like smeared and tears down her face the whole time and stuff. And then fucking finally, like, I leave and I get in the car and, and like, I check my phone. It's just like, Kobe's dead. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> fuck, man. That's you know, like. Up. Just sadness on sadness. Well, fuck, yeah. I'm glad that uh, you came here today. We're able to forget about a bit of that stuff for a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah we man. just had, uh, we're back live now. We just had a quick uh, intermission for some tech and PP issues, and uh, it's yeah, it's interesting because we were we were just very into it f- uh, for a good like two and a half hours. Nobody had been on social media for, you know, we, we were just here in conversation, and um, just now, yeah, had, had a quick chance to look at your phone and, and lots of Kobe Bryant stuff going on. Lots of, yeah, it's a sad time. So. Yeah, man, fucking sucks. But right before we got off, and uh, so we'll just try to we'll, we'll wrap up with this last bit there, a little segment on we're just talking about writing. Eh? So you're asking, you know, yeah. what what my writing process is and my style, and that's actually I'm glad you brought that up because it's something I want to talk about with everybody who's on the show just to get an idea of what their process is, what your you know how you guys like to run. Uh, my thing I like to do, so yeah, I write just kind of throughout the day. When something comes to me, I write it down. That's just like a rule of mine. I've just come to just be strict about it. If it's something I think is funny or that appeals to me briefly, I'm like, that. I got I to write it down. I write it down right away in notes on my phone. And then usually once 
like that happens all the time every single day i'm writing stuff like that and that's mostly like premises not i don't often write the whole joke out but it's like the premise of the time but then once i book a show or like i know when my next dates are i start to think about what jokes i want to do for that set and then based on how how many minutes that set's supposed to be depending on where i am and then i decide on which jokes i want to put into that set and then all the jokes that make it into my set get scripted. I write all my jokes and I write it out. So I start with just a premise. It might be a line or two. But if it's a two-minute joke, I have every minute. Like it's all written. I have the whole script of what I think I want to say. So I, I kind of come up with the best of what I think it could be. And then I do that. And then like an actor, I rehearse. So I'll sit there and I'll say my lines out loud. I do them. I learn my lines until a point where I have them memorized. I know what jokes I'm doing. So that when I get on stage, I can do my best. So far, I've never had to, you know, have to use paper or like pull out notes and stuff. I just want to do my best when I'm there to remember my shit. Like that's part of it for me. And some people can totally work in having paper on act. Even some of the most pro guys that you see. And I remember uh, Arash, he just posted that video on the comedy community recently about when he was at the comedy store and how like he saw seasoned pros there bringing up notes. So it's just to teach their own style. But So that's how I like to do it. I, I rehearse my lines. I like to act it, basically. And then through the rehearsal, I do a lot of practice and changing and rewriting of the jokes. And then once I have it rewritten, then I kind of I'll rewrite it in the text too. And now there's jokes that I've done long enough that they're already written and scripted. I know them, but <clears throat> the reason for scripting is because you can add in a lot more nuance if you do it that way. And it also saves strategically on stage time. Like I only have so much stage time I can use. So if I get six to eight minutes on a night at a show that day, I probably did my set 10 times over out loud to myself at least. So that's 60 minutes I just got to do a practicing. So it's like I just did my set 12 times that day, but only once is actually live for real people. And then hopefully that time I've worked up to, I've spent all day working on it or like at least as much time as I could that day kind of honing it on those days. I try to like take time uh, in the afternoons usually to like work on it before the evening. And I think partially though, this is because I'm only doing shows a few times a month. It's not like you might not be able to do this so much if, if you're doing them every night of the week. But that's how I approach it. And because it's a rare time that I'm on stage, like I'd say, you know, a few nights a month is rare. Even though to like colleagues and stuff, they're like, oh, wow, you're there a couple nights a month. That's amazing. I'm like, yeah, as a comedian, though, it's not a lot. So that's what I like to do. And then I work on my jokes off stage again. Once I've done them on stage and then I see how they went and based on crowd reactions, I'll rewrite them. I come back to them. I keep doing certain ones and then I decide what I like to put in the middle, what I like to put at the end. Um, I usually have certain closers and certain openers I stick to um, consistently that I know. And then there's like a few few that I'll switch between, but they're usually opener or closer because they just work in that way or they have that kind of flow so it makes sense to be a finishing joke or to be an end and lots of new stuff in the middle and yeah what like what about you like do you guys find that you approach it at all like that or very differently yeah like uh we're both uh i would say i would say we're pretty similar on that like uh when i think of a joke i'll think of a premise and i'll have this like notes uh i use like google keep and I just write notes on that. And whenever I think of a premise, I want to think of like the whole joke. Sometimes I'm at work, I'm on the bus, I'll write it out. 
Then once I'm at home, I'll actually write it out again, but on the computer. Yeah. So I'll write out the whole thing, and then I'll go to my mirror, and I'll kind of grab like a marker and act like it's a mic. Yeah. And, I would literally, um, yeah, I like hold my mic when I'm practicing too. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, yeah. uh, it's it just feels Before a bit that, more I real. Socks or, <laughs> yeah, or a water really? bottle. Just something that would be about the same size. You yeah. Know, a pair of two pair of tube socks, a water bottle, you know, something like that. Just some phallic in nature. <laughs> yeah. Just if there's a cock around, yeah. I'll just grab that. That'll do. Or just me yelling into a cock. <laughs> it pretty much feels in the my same mirror. Way. In my Yeah. And uh yeah, I'll usually perform it in front of a mirror and yeah. I'll kind of go and sometimes I'll well most of the time I'll just like riff on the joke and I'll mm-hmm. try to kind of develop it yeah, more. Yeah. And then I'll go back to writing. And then I'll go back to the mirror and then go back to writing. I'll kind of yeah. go back and forth between the two. And if mm-hmm. I feel like I'm stuck, I'll usually record it and send it to these guys. Um, Shaw, Rami, yeah. Joel. We have like a group chat. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And kind of get their feedback. And mm-hmm. that helps out a ton. Absolutely. Um, and once I have something solid, I'll rehearse that alone at first. Mm-hmm. And then I'll rehearse that multiple times throughout the whole bit, throughout the whole set. Mm-hmm. like it's like okay how how i'm gonna transition into that bit yeah within the set like figure out where should i place I think, that yeah transition's important or sometimes the lack of a transition's important like how you go from one joke to the next is its own skill for sure yeah. and the more you can develop that the more your sets will flow and especially if you can make transitions funny in themselves right like yeah yeah it's worth putting thought into it. and i think some of these things you don't or you don't get the opportunity to put thought into if you don't write your stuff out enough or if you're just not on stage enough that you don't have time to reflect on those things. Like it's just kind of a building of the hierarchy. You know, once you have the scaffolding of I'm on stage, I know what jokes I'm doing. Then you start to think about the more complex things like, well, how should I change the end of the beginning or how should I change this transition or the intonation of my voice at this point and that point that comes up a lot in rehearsal, right? Yeah. For sure, you know? Yeah. Like with how you present it. Yeah. And uh, and even with that, with transition, like I sucked a lot for a long time with transitions. Like I've gotten better now, but I've also gotten more confident with that. I just kind of jump from one bit to the next. But because it's like I'll just tackle a different topic, mm-hmm. I'll have like a bit of a longer pause in between as opposed to like kind of fastly yeah. going into the next bit. Just because like a lot of this, like I'll be talking about dating and then I'll just switch over to Uber drivers. And mm-hmm. it's just like very different things yeah but uh, that's like when you're up there if, if it's a whole joke and you've told the joke and then there was a punchline and people laughed at the end of that you can just go to whatever the fuck's next basically is it that's part of you know good if you have structure in your joke and you do get a good enough laugh and you know that you've told the punchline and you know what your next joke is then it's just on to the next one basically you know? yeah helps with the nerves too i think you know, if you're nervous getting on stage and you know which jokes you want to do generally, then, like, even if you tell a joke and it bombs and nobody laughs, like, you know what the next thing is. You just tell the next one and on to the next thing. Yeah, and it's like I have these kind of jokes where I know these ones hit all the time. So, yeah. like, it's like I have some trust. It's like, okay, my opener still needs some work, but I know the rest of it after mm-hmm. that is, like, pretty solid. Good old reliables, uh, nice, like, back pocket ones to have, like, yeah. Yeah, there's a few like that I have like that where I almost I try to challenge myself to not do them sometimes because it's so tempting to always do my best ones. And from a selling point of view, I guess I've been told and given advice by like some of the guys from the clubs that like 
if you're trying to get to a middle spot or to hosting and featuring and stuff that you should not always be doing new material even though I love to do that's one of the reasons I get on stage is because I have new jokes that's the first reason yeah. I did comedy was because I started writing jokes I was writing jokes before I ever did comedy and that's why I was like well I should probably try this shouldn't I I've already got jokes like I need to do something with them right and uh, so with that though they're like no but you want to make a sellable six like or a six or eight minutes whatever it is like they want to see that you can do the same six consistently and then be able to sell that so that if they want to hire you and say, you know, we want you to come and host or come and feature, we want to know that that six is good and it's tight and you're not. If they're always doing new jokes every time, then they can't necessarily make that conclusion about you. Oh, okay, that's yeah. pretty interesting, actually. I didn't even, I don't, I don't even know that. So yeah, this was, it's what I've been told by yeah, some of the guys at the clubs there are like, who, who are the paid regulars and the people who will book people on their shows? And yeah. that, that, that's one way to help yourself get there. But it, so what I was getting at though is like, you know, I feel like I'll spoil myself sometimes cause I know these jokes are going to work probably, you know, like you're, you're pretty confident in them. They've worked in many crowds in many different venues. Uh, but then there's some jokes that are hit or miss. Like I know there's some jokes that I've had kill in some venues and totally bomb. And the other one, like the the murder and bird joke, like that whole bit is done really well in some clubs and mediocre in others. So I, I don't know. It's not one that I would call like my good old reliable that I could always count on to make me laugh. So yeah. it's fun to try, uh, but you got to challenge yourself and like do new ones and hope that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love I love trying new shit. I I do it all the time. Sometimes I write on stage. Like some of the jokes that I ended up keeping were just freestyle shit that I did on stage. Nice. Um, but I, I I'm so new. I haven't even been in it a year yet. Mm -hmm. Right. That I I haven't like zeroed in on a process that I can rely on and say this is how I do it. You know, I like I've written in notebooks. I've written on the cloud. You know, mm -hmm. um, fucking tried just not writing at all and just freestyling just it or it. doing it in my head. Like that's like his whole own genre of comedy. Like there's a lot of comics who totally rip it that way and they fucking kill in it. They go up there and they just talk about the, they just shoot the shit and they just kill it. And half my set right now comics. is 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 stuff I've never written down. It's just stories. It's two stories that. Uh, that I just I was like okay uh, I'm gonna tell these two mm -hmm. stories and then I just you went know, on like, yeah. well I actually did it at Janelle's show the first mm -hmm. time and I went and I told both those stories and I opened with that and then I did the second one and then I was like oh okay they laughed here they didn't laugh here mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll cut this part I'll leave this part in I'll tweak this and then I went and tried it again and it, it, um, it killed at Yucks and then you know it, I just kept tweaking it and but it's never been written down. But then I have other stuff where it's literally word for word written down. Okay, so you do a bit of both. Yeah, yeah I'm just experimenting. Yeah, that's cool. No, I'm experimenting I, yeah. to see it's like a, how like yeah. what's the best way? Because I I mean, how do yeah. you know until you try it? Yeah, I guess every, everyone should do that as a new so comic, so the, right? the the so. moral of the story is try heroin. You know, you you don't know. You will never know yeah. until you try it. So that's uh, yeah, I, I like that that you can do it a bit both ways. I think I've kind of found that this is what works for me because I've been doing it so long now. And there's, I, I try to get out there and do different things or try specifically will make a point to try something differently just to see how it goes. But it's all part of the process, I guess. And I think that there's some people I've realized a bit about myself. I, I think at the end of the day, 
uh, I'm more of like an actor comedian than just a comedian. And that's based on like, I also do speeches and I speak and I do lectures and it's when you do a lecture, you prep your lecture. When you do speeches, you write a speech when you deliver public speech, you know, it's, it's so I kind of, I guess I, I approached comedy in that way of I'm doing a public speaking type event and I'm trying to do that with comedy. Uh, and lately I've actually had, had a, a calling more for acting too. Like I want to try to get into acting, doing some roles. Like if there was more available, it'd be great, but it might have to move somewhere to where they have more things like that offering, you know, but it's something I'm, I'm thinking I'm leaning towards trying and that, yeah, different types of comics for sure. People who can just go out there and, and wing and rip it is, is well, fun. What, what I've heard in, in a lot of different podcasts, like one of my favorite comics is Bill Burr, and mm-hmm. he says he never writes anything down. But then when I listen to him talk, he remembers everything yeah. almost photographically when he describes something that he's seen, and then I'll go and look up that clip, and it's, he describes it to a T. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, fuck, he doesn't need to write anything down. His memory's amazing. Yeah. Right? He's got that on his side. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, I wonder if, like, the guys There's, that don't write are like that, yeah. you know? Or Dave Chappelle just goes on stage for seven hours and riffs. Well, maybe one of the things that's funny, too, like how Bill Because one of the things in comedy that's funny is, like, describing things to the nth degree, right? Like, describing all the things about it. And so maybe he finds, by not writing it down, he can do that a little more naturally or it occurs to him better. But there's definitely other comics who are you know, at the same level as Bill Burr who are, you know, regularly write and have systematic writing in the way that they, they approach it that way. So, yeah, I think it's important for each person to just find the thing that works for them and their method and to, like, try lots of methods, especially if you haven't had the chance or if you don't know what works for you. you yeah, know? like like just, just this week, um, I bought two uh, – well, I don't read. I fucking listen to books. Um <laughs> I, I bought two Audible books. Reading is cool, man. Yeah, you, I, I know, remember. I know, I know. It's just, I was I'm, sitting with some friends when they were talking about a book, and he, I swear to God, one of my buddies, Brandon, he's like, you guys read? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> like, not all my friends are scientists, obviously. So like, since grade one, bro. <laughs> um, no, but it's just, it, I'm so ADD that, like, unless I have to do it for some reason, like, it's just... I'll start reading and then boom, I'm on to something else, mm-hmm. right? So that's why the audiobook keeps me in line. Like I'll still have the book, yeah. But then the audio will keep me going, yeah. right? So I like right now I just I listen to uh, Mastering Stand Up by Stephen Rosenfield, and would you recommend it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew I knew like most of it, okay. But there were these nuggets in the book where I was like, oh shit, that's how you do that. Mm-hmm. Right, so now I'm now I'm listening to uh, I forget the name of the fucking book, but it's by Greg Dean, um, and he's it's like technical, so mm-hmm. I can't even listen to it. I have to look at it, okay, because it's all like charts yeah. and shit. Read a bit, reflect on it, take yeah. your time, deal with it, digest it. Yeah, yeah, like, but it's mm-hmm. but it's helping me understand the structure of comedy. So now when I'm listening to bits, um, I can sort of be like, oh, this is this part of it, and this is this part of it, and yeah. this is this. And that's that. So now it's helping me kind of like see the matrix a little bit. So I'm hoping that helps mm-hmm. me in my writing. Yeah, like if you're really new to comedy and you've never even heard some of the terminology, it's hard. Like if you don't know what a tag is, you know, okay, well, you yeah. get to tag your joke. You got to put up your set. You got to do your setup for your joke. Your punch. Like being able to just learn all the different components and parts and the fact that there's types of jokes and organization of set is, I think, part of 
you know, just watching tons of comedy, or you can look to like formal channels, like certain books. And I think that these are some of the things that are offered in those often considered controversial comedy courses, where if you take a course on comedy, they can't teach you how to be a funny comedian, but they can teach you what a tag is and how a punchline set up and how you go about doing those things and the structure of a bit. And I, I broke it down for my best just from watching so much and listening. And the, I find the more I watch and listen to comedy, the better it makes me as a, as a comedian. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And oddly enough, I know we're doing a podcast is I listen to a ton of podcasts with comedians mm-hmm. and that kind of fucked me up a little bit because I was like, I was getting an influence of the style of comedy that works on podcasts, but that it's doesn't necessarily work on that vibe. doesn't work on stage because mm-hmm. you don't have two hours. Yeah, right. You got six minutes. That's what's cool. I mean, you get. It seems like the, some of the most popular podcasts are the comedy ones, though, and they're these comedians finding a different avenue to be able to you know voice their own shit. Yeah. Whether it's funny, like people like Chris D'Elia's, I guess you've listened to. His, sometimes I listen to his all the time. And it's just him just sitting there going for one hour on a rant about something. And I it's, I think it's one of the funniest ones ever. Yeah, he's and hilarious. And I really like that format. But then I'll go and watch Rogan, and I absolutely love that format too, where it's like this. It's two people. It's three people. It's it's a few people having a discussion. It's long form, and you get to have, have that engagement. So, I don't know. I guess I've tried to do my best to set up what I'm doing in a way that I can offer a little bit of each of those things just to do again it's just my selfish ass i just want to do what i want to do and enjoy the things and i like podcasts so here i am doing one you know like that's kind of how i approach life i think yeah no <laughs> yeah and podcasts are the best man podcasts that's are the best. amazing but but in terms of like writing stand-up um i found that when i'm trying to trying to write i tend to stay away from listening to podcasts because i don't want that influence floating around in my mm-hmm. head i'll watch a bunch of stand-up Good comedy night, yeah. to get that those like juices flowing get my brain focused on that kind of stuff and then i'm like okay now okay this is how i gotta this is how i gotta do it not yeah. not the podcast version yeah the, the stand-up comedy yeah. on watch stage some stand-up version. before it, it gets you in that that mindset yeah i mean also helps with the depression but, <laughs> um <laughs> i love listening to this uh podcast called let's talk about sets and it breaks down like bits mm-hmm. like you'll hear the bit through the audio recording you yeah. were the one that introduced me to it and uh, they'll listen to like a what is it, a, a dave Chappelle bit or just wow. like bits That's from sick. people i you know i yeah. wanted i talked to arash like we on one of the earlier recordings I did, like this that was a segment i wanted to do on my show actually would be that i'm gonna have to go and check that out because i thought that would be a really cool segment to like watch it's a fun. famous yeah. bit, break it down, and then talk about why why you liked it, why you didn't like it, or what they did that was just to bring light to it. I think uh, that sounds really really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, like uh, I definitely would do it if you yeah. if that's something that interests you because mm-hmm. it's like obviously it's influenced by you know the two personalities that host the podcast mm-hmm. and their guests, yeah. and they kind of like chime in and figure out how to break it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like you'd offer your own perspective, and if you have a guest or or not, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. And I love that podcast, and it taught me so much about comedy, mm-hmm. especially like being very new to it. Um, it, it was it's really awesome. Like that's kind of like um, I haven't re- read written any read any books about comedy but uh podcasts yeah like i'm more up for that mm-hmm. yeah and, and, and that that podcast in particular like them breaking stuff down really really 
helps you sort of see the DNA of the joke too. Um, and then the other thing too is like you guys, you, Rami and Joel, write jokes. You guys write individual jokes and then put them together to form a bit. Yeah, I do that some, a lot too. Yeah, yeah whereas I, I don't. I don't do that. And I want to try that because I haven't tried it, mm -hmm. right? So like I mainly do premises and then yeah. build off of that. Um, but I want to try it the way they do it because within a six-minute format, it's yeah. kind of got to be like tight. When I took a you couple know? years off comedy between like degree and everything, and when I came back, the first show I did, I had this idea. For some reason, I just wanted to do things differently, and I tried something that I'd never done really, which was to just go up there and and for the whole six minutes was just told a couple of funny stories, and it was all kind of about the same thing. It was just a couple of stories I thought were funny. Uh, didn't go very well. It didn't go terribly, but it was certainly not exceptional by any means, and at the end of that i was like you know i felt like i wanted to do something different because I, I would approach it in this new way and i tell jokes and it but then I, I realized like my real format that really the tried and true for me was yeah like set up with the premise have a punchline built in there and it's just more reliable to know and now i've started I, I just found that it made me funnier i think when i was on stage because when you have a jokes that are written with some structure like that then you can manipulate them differently or you can come up with a better punchline or you know you write a few punchlines for the same joke and then you decide what's the best one in this way and then how do you tag it and then you know get the get the extra laughs at the end i think but again that's just kind of really what's worked for me i think and i want to it's funny because you're on this boat wanting to try that and I still am in this side, but I want to try more of just being able to free flow up there a little bit and be less rigid, even though the rigidity does seem to work for me because it's, it's practiced enough that it doesn't look rigid when I'm on stage. Thankfully, uh, at least that's what, you know, the feedback I tend to get like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you gotta be pretty quick to, to be, to be like freestyling on stage a little bit. Like yeah. I did a complete freestyle set um at wellington on purpose like you on, wanted to on purpose yeah. yeah um how'd that go went okay went better than i thought it would yeah. um and then a couple of the comics came up to me after and they were like what the fuck was that but they <laughs> they, they, they they actually thought it was funny like I, mm -hmm. I one of the guys became a friend of mine um because he was on that show and he's like i can't believe you fucking did that right? did it feel uh, stressful for you to do that or did it feel like good to do that um, I had a purpose in mind. It, it was mm -hmm. because I was hosting the, the Heart and Crown show. I was like, okay, let me just practice just vibing with the crowd cool. a little bit. So yeah. I just talked to the crowd the whole time mm -hmm. for six minutes, <laughs> right? There were no jokes in that whole set at yeah. all. And it went okay. That's something you got to do at some point. You got to yeah. be able to practice that and get good at that. Yeah, I mean, like these guys always like, they're like, the fuck are you doing? Um, but the way I look at it is, look, I'm not even a year in comedy. I'm just trying stuff to see exactly. what works, right? I'm learning at this point. That's right? where I look at, like, some of my favorite artists, uh, certain bands and stuff like that that have been around for a long time, and people are like, oh, I love these songs or those songs, or they, they used to do it like this, or they made this or that. But it's like, when you're a band and you've been around for a long time, like, you're going to try different songs, you're going to make different music all the time, and you might try different genres even like you dabble you know you might make an album that flops or something it doesn't matter but you're trying different shit because for you as a creative person and in, in your own creative process like that's part of why you're doing it right is to explore these different avenues and manifest some of these 
ideas that you have, you know, in your psychology and let them come out to other people in the world and stuff, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't do that kind of shit at like a real show, but I mean, like at a Absolute or a Yucks, but at an indie yeah, show, like I feel like that's where you work out your material, totally, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful and call any show that's not the club's a, not a real show. Like that, that's no, not what I'm it's saying, just but in the jargon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An like indie an indie, show, an indie exactly. show or an open mic or something. Non, a non-club show. Yeah, a non-club show. Like, I feel like... Because the pressure's a little different, too. Like, you want to bring it when you're at the club, right? Like, you want to do a good job because that is partly, like, your comedy resume at this point. You know, you're... you're yeah. Those are the people who are your rep that's going to tell you that you're doing all right and that you're going to get booked for something actually. Yeah. And, or, or like at one of these open mics, like I went to Meow's and I did uh, 12 minutes of just like new stuff. And, you know, I just told them that. I was like, is it okay if I just do this? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. That's chill. You know, so yeah. I just went and I just did it. And I told the crowd that that's what I was doing. You know, so some, some of the jokes worked, some of them didn't. And I went and I was like, okay, these ones didn't work. These ones worked. Cut them out. Keep these ones. You know, so, I mean, how do you know you're, you, how do you know, like, you're, the first set you ever did is the right one you know mm -hmm. you it's gotta like, do it again yeah well i mean if you if you go up with your first set and then you're like okay i'm just gonna tweak the first set i ever fucking wrote well how, how do you know you can't write better shit yeah i that's what i mean i'll go out there and not i've never done that where i've just riffed for the whole crowd but I've gone out plenty of times where i've written a f fresh six minutes and i go out like so I'll, i probably have like 24 or 30 minutes like i have like at least four or five different six minute full sets that i could do or interchangeably changing jokes in and out because i'll go up and i'll just do a brand new six minutes at a place and and again it's written in the same fashion and in the same style that i hope that at least some of that's going to be consistent and then some of it like you know half of it you're just trying and you hope that it's you know a bit funny and maybe you'll keep it there's some stuff that by the time i'm performing it i know it's already going to be like 90% sure I'm going to, this is a great joke and I love yeah. it. Like I'm in love with the joke. And then there's other ones where I'm not totally sure, but I'm like, well, let's just see what everyone thinks. And we're going to see how that goes and fucking way she goes. Yeah. yeah. And, but then there's the other thing too, is like sometimes the jokes that you do will get like a chuck, like one chuckle, like one person in the crowd is like, ha. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you're like, was that bad or should i work on this yeah. or how do i build on that i'm looking for yeah. like at least a ha ha can i turn <laughs> yeah a, like more, more than one more? ha like yeah. <laughs> yeah. right once yeah. one of the things that happened to me which was totally shit though happened to me recently is i realized like i got on stage i had a, a suit jacket on like a or like a blazer type jacket and uh, one of the collar got popped weird on one side i didn't notice i just kind of i didn't have it on i was getting ready i knew i was up next i threw my jacket on and then i did like the whole set with the collar like half popped to one stage and i realized that when i looked at my video later <laughs> i was like i look like a piece of shit because like like i don't know what kind of an asshole goes up with like a popped up so it was totally unintentional i honestly think that that had a big impact on my set which is i, I, I did a set with my fly open once <laughs> nice <laughs> by accident it's funny man wardrobe man yeah. that's the thing and yeah. that's why when you pointed out you know you're wearing this and like now i basically wear the same thing for almost every show one because it's more continuity if you're filming and you ever want to splice it together but also it's like one less thing i have to think about it i just know like okay this it's a fair outfit it's casual enough it's not too dressy i don't have to think about it it's there it's clean it's you know go yeah. to the show that's that's that uh was that the bill gates that is it zuckerberg who does it? steve jobs a, they all do yeah. that like yeah 
wear the same yeah. shit every single day. Yeah. Don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Right? They just have yeah. the same clothes, yeah, because that way you can just wake up. It's one less decision you got to make in the day, and you know, free up your. Yeah. For the heart show that we have, like I've tried wearing something different every time. Okay. <laughs> because it's just like I don't know. It's just our show, so I'm like, oh, I want to look good mm-hmm. in a different way. But yeah, if I just pick one thing, it's probably a lot, a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I like obviously people change this for a lot of shows like everyone's got their own decision on how they handle that too like for me that's just what i've decided that's what i like to do i feel like yeah. the some outfits work well and some like most of the time on my day-to-day basis i, I wear a suit almost every day because just for work and school and that and when i'm there so i gotta dress down a certain amount but not i don't want to be too casual because yeah. i i like I, I don't want to present like some comics can go out there and they can be totally bumming and they're hilarious because that's their vibe you know but I, I i kind of have a bit of a professional-ish vibe to me i think when i'm on stage i guess yeah, you know, you're so. not a complete piece of shit <laughs> that's what you're saying yeah i i had a i had a whole bit where i was um you know it, it revolved around like wearing dress clothes you know and i've I tried it in dress clothes and it would work. And then I tried it without dress clothes and it fucking didn't work. <laughs> right. So it was like yeah. very dependent on yeah. me wearing that. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to wear dress clothes every fucking time I go up on stage. Yeah. Or just to do this bit too. Yeah. Right? Like, so then I just dropped the bit. It's like your prop, prop acting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, uh, so what do you, what do you see for your future in comedy? What do you hope to uh, accomplish at this point? Well, fucking know? Marwan. It, it, Every day he's like, oh, I'm getting a Netflix special. So one day he's... So that's one his day fucking... Will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I get you to sign in my guest book so I can show people <laughs> one day. I say, this motherfucker, he was here. He was here. Nice. Yeah, but no, like yeah. realistically, like what you said earlier, I think is is probably, you know, the, the goal for, I guess, the next year or, or whatever, like year two in comedy mm-hmm. or whatever. Just moving from just doing open mics and stuff like that to, you know, getting on uh, some of the non... Uh, new uh, nights like the Tuesdays and yeah. all that kind of stuff and hopefully like on the weekends and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. right um, I don't really care too much about getting paid from comedy right now I just want to be a better comic I want to respect I, that yeah, yeah I just yeah. want to I just want to I just want to be better and um, as I get better just get more opportunities to go up on stage that's my immediate goal mm-hmm. long term goal we'll see what happens but and that'll you, happen you meet, too you know yeah. like if your goal is to get better as a comedian then the rest is going to figure itself out after that right like if your goal is to go right to getting a middle and then well, don't th- yeah you got to think about it like my goal is just to be better when you're good enough they'll they'll tell you and they'll you'll be out there and they'll book you for that you know yeah like uh, in terms of the money i i don't care about the money at all like mm-hmm. i'm lucky in that i have a good well-paying job with the design job that i have so I don't have to think about, man, you know, I really yeah. want to make, you know, 200 bucks mm-hmm. a night or something when I when I go up. I just think about my material, how I am on stage. You know, we always record ourselves. Yeah. We're always trying to be better. And, yeah, the goal right now is, uh, like I was saying before, like uh, weekend spot at Absolute Yucks. Like that would be like the best place to be right now. Yeah, that'd be a huge, yeah. a huge achievement for anybody at this table. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. the other thing too is you said recording the sets. That I ask a lot of comics, and not everyone seems to record mm-hmm. their sets, which blows my mind. I know, me too, man. I, I, I think that's great that you guys do. I do every set. I, I almost everyone I've done, I will record, and especially lately, 
it's silly not to i think i do some because i put some of it out online i put some jokes out there a lot of it's just like game film though i want to watch it i want to reflect i yeah, want to see my that's, shit that's it and how i did right and where i could do better and like and, and like just in the spirit of kobe yeah. here he had a show called you know detail and he would break down plays and he'd be like look here's what happened here here's what happened yeah, there. i think i saw some of those yeah and that's the same that. thing with the with the comedy sets mm-hmm. is you know we record them and then we watch them and cringe a lot and then um you know between wanting to slit your own wrist you you decide okay like i, I should i should fix this joke here mm-hmm. i should cut that joke it also there. keeps the high going a bit because when you yeah if you, if you have the show and you have a bit of a high especially if it's a good show and then you go back and then that night you go and you watch it again and it's kind of like you feeling it yeah again. yeah like, okay nice and this was this was really good even though you're basically just self-masturbating watching your own comedy <laughs> yeah, fucking, yeah. that's like when you've had nine beers night. and you're like fuck it i'll have a tenth yeah the first nine don't even Let's count. Let's keep it going. So like, yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to admit they ate nine cans of ravioli, but, you know, the, the first four don't even count. Hey, so you like, already <laughs> ate 11 slices. Eat the 12th. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm interested to know what's uh, your future in comedy and is cause, just because you've been doing it for so much longer than we have. Mm-hmm. Like, where are you heading? Yeah, I mean, this? I'm sitting here talking all this, even though I've, like, I'm still an amateur comedian in the sense that I, I, I didn't pursue it in the right channels over enough time that I was going to... Uh, pursue it professionally it was really more of a hobby for a long time i think it still is a hobby for me but my goal is the same i just want to get better i want to just keep doing it uh i'm not like if i was getting booked at shows for weekend shows and and host stuff i would be absolutely grateful and i, I would love to that's kind of again where i'd like to work toward is just doing that but still from a hobby point of view and in one way I feel like there's because of that, there's people out there who are hungrier than me because they're fighting for it and they don't have a day job and they're not. But my goal is just, I I love being on stage. I like to tell jokes. I really enjoy what I do otherwise though in my day job. And so I'm happy being on stage. Like I think once a week would be amazing even, but twice a month is, is great too, you know, for me to be out there. It's enough time for me to write new shit, tell jokes, record it, record my set. And you know, be able to put it online and, and kind of market myself that way and be able to like run it through a channel. So I, I see my future going more toward, you know, doing comedy a couple times a month and having guests at least once a week on my show and running my YouTube channel and kind of building up more on YouTube podcast yeah. uh, and my own stuff that way and my personal brand through that. Too. Yeah. And I think, I think if nowadays, I think if you don't do that, it's kind of like you're shooting yourself in the foot. Like you kind of have to at this point. I hope in a way that this podcast can help bring this type of information to some of the other new comics or amateur comedians, because those few things that we've talked about, well, many things we talked about today, but a few in, in particular, just like recording your sets and like the types of decisions that you make and the writing styles that you do and how you approach writing and all that i think are things that a lot of people can can take away from there's a lot of people on the scene already who have their own approaches to this and i'd love to hear from them too but this is just our our humble opinions on how how these things could go and there's people who could learn from that and and especially because we all seem i think it's it's something i found in common with the people who do have full-time regular good jobs and and then do comedy as well 
that we think about things from a bit more of a business point of view. Like when I think about comedy, I think about how can I do this to make it marketable? How could it eventually yeah. be profitable? How can I make it into a business model? What is yeah, the model? Yeah, you hear that? You broke bitches. <laughs> so you got to think about if if you yeah. want to develop yourself as a comedian, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, you got to have you got to do the little things. You got to make the social accounts and you have to promote yourself a bit and you got to do like stuff I've seen more comics doing recently. I, I don't want to take credit for it, but it, I've, people are doing it since I've started doing it. It's something I would, I would promote my shows on all my media. I'd put out, you know, I'd post on my Instagrams, all that stuff, lineups and stuff like that. Lots of comics do that now and you should be. And it's those little things that you just have to, some of them, I think it's, you know, if, if I go to like to a Gary V response, I'd say, you know, it's insecurity because they think, and I mean, they're like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm just an amateur comic. Who am I to put out a social media and say, go and follow me and come to my show? And to one respect, like, I can talk shit about myself and say, because I, like, I'm here talking all this shit and I'm still an amateur comedian. Like, I only know as much as I know. I can't pretend I know more, but I do know that I am a, I'm a businessman. I'm a, you know, a scientist as well. I have other things that allow me to, like, see see the world in a different way and understand how you can model something like this and that even though i'm an amateur comedian i'm still willing to put myself out there's that because i'm not insecure about it and it's just fuck it i'm i'm doing what i'm doing and those are the things you have to do you got to emulate it and so yeah i mean even yeah. before i was in uh in the comedy scene i i loved going to comedy shows like i would yeah. i religiously go for like 10, one of my favorite yeah 10 do, 15 yeah. years i go mm -hmm. and it, whoever was on that lineup i would just youtube them real quick Watch maybe a minute because I didn't want to burn the set. I realized that I did that. I went I one time watched the entire set, then yeah, I went to the yeah, show exactly. and it was the same set. And I was like, oh fuck, I shouldn't have done that. So I just watched like a minute, mm -hmm. and if they're funny in that minute, I'll go to the show. Yeah, right. And so, I'd say ninety yeah. percent of the comics that are on right now performing regularly in the clubs, you couldn't find them on YouTube if you tried. That's the thing that blows yeah. my mind. How the fuck? Okay, so yeah. you want to say something? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like uh, we've had that conversation before uh, with like Rami, Joel, and Shaw. Mm -hmm. Like uh, um, the way to do it now is, you know, Instagram, social mm -hmm. media, YouTube, like have be online. You need to be on the digital side. And it's like mm -hmm. I've met some incredible comics that some that we've even had on the show. And they just have no online presence. And it's just like you just you can't do that. That, does, that yeah. doesn't work right Some people right are really funny. They're great right. at comedy, but they have no business mindset at all, or they've never even considered the option of doing something this way. They just never thought yeah. about it, you know? Uh, yeah, but I, I've, yeah, I follow religiously these people like Gary Vee who talk about that. I've read his books and stuff, you know, about his marketing and how he approached that. And I don't know. I think there's a lot to be gained from offering your comedy uh, online, you know? There's yeah. only going to be 50 people at the club maybe a dozen people at the show that you're at maybe it's 20 but online thousands and thousands of people could see it somebody could pick it up from somewhere else they really like it you know and then you never know just there's for me a lot of it too is there's people like i grew up near toronto and Oshawa, right so there's people back home who would like to see my sets but they don't get to see them so now they get to watch them too like i get most people 
their rationale for not is they only have so much material they don't want to burn it by putting it online but i think fuck it put it online anyways and just either write more do the same stuff like it's a bit of your own psychology that's fucking you on that because you think that this audience is like every show that you're doing it's probably a pretty new audience there might be a few people who've seen you again but it's always going to be a new audience and new people and they're still going to find that same shit funny well there, there's they're, another way as well is and i've seen like guys like sam morrill do this where he will do jokes on topical stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because he's like, fuck it, I'm going to, the, the topic is going to be old news in a couple of weeks anyway. I'm just going to write some jokes on this yeah. and I'll release that online. Yes. That's new content. And there you go. Or guys Very like uh, Andrew Schultz will just do his crowd work. He'll, you do the crowd works, you do the hecklers because yeah. that doesn't burn anything. No, exactly. Yeah. His material is still mm-hmm. safe. Um, but then him, uh, guys like Neil Nanda, who is like newer, but. He did the exact same thing where each week he released a new bit, you know? He yeah. released a new bit each week, so it's like an so hour cool. of material. You can give people something to follow that way, you know? Yeah, like, so. but it's also they, they try to hack the algorithm, right? Because they're like, okay, if you post <clears throat> consistently, yeah. the algorithm rewards you. Yeah, so, it'll boost your post. More people will see it. Yeah, so it's all it's for them it was like, okay, it's, it's a bit of both. It's let me get my shit out there, build a fan base, build the – you know hack the algorithm mm-hmm. all that stuff right and you know any of those approaches would would be better than yeah. having nothing and know? i get yeah absolutely i get for a lot of people that maybe they they look at it and they're like well i am at nothing so what i'm gonna look like a loser if i start a page and this and i have zero followers but it's like that's literally i mean i sound like a cock saying it because it's so it's oversaid but that's how everyone started you nobody everybody started with zero followers or zero likes every single page at some point and you just got to get it going at some point you just just open it up i mean don't even have to invite people right away but if it's just there so that if you're at a show and somebody asks you you can reference to it say this is my my handle yeah find me and and like a lot of a lot of the big youtubers they'll at some point be like here's my first video here's what it looked like and it looks like shit but that didn't stop them. Exactly. You know, now they have like whatever, 10 million followers exactly. or whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, w- w- one of the things they did on the first time I had a Rosh in here, we went on and we watched um, the episode one Joe Rogan. We put it on yeah. and we looked at like what he, how that setup was compared to what he's doing now. And it's just, yeah, it's remarkable the change and, this is what I like that you asked me early. Like I, I recorded, I, I've started, you know, just documenting the development of what I'm working on so that hopefully like I plan on growing this as much as possible, but showing the early in the setup of like, you know, how I first had the, the podcast stuff set up and up till now and the different phases that it went through. So like the different equipment yeah. and all that and how we, how we started out. And that yeah, that, kind of, that's another thing to too is, is like when you're recording, uh sets like right now we just recorded on our phones right mm-hmm. and the quality is not always the best yeah um but it's better than nothing but eventually like we want to re- be recording the audio straight through the mixer to get yeah. the clean vocals and you know the the, the audio from the mm-hmm. phone or the camera will be the crowd mic let's say exactly um, a little hack for you guys or for any comedy comedians who want to start doing that is you can buy those like little pin mics like lapel mics those yeah are, lapel mics i have yeah. those for real estate like so, when i do real estate videos yeah. right so that's so, you yeah, can you could wear those during a set and record your audio live through a lapel mic and record the 
the boom system like the whole uh live audio of the club and so like this even when i'm in the club when i do my shows like i you know i'll take my footage but then i'll try to get a little b-real footage get a little bit of the crowd but then like things like release forms and shit okay so then i blur the crowd or i show backs of heads and you gotta take all these little things in consideration zoom in on titties you know yeah if if you got big titties sit in the front row do us all a favor some please yeah, come say hello after the show. <laughs> please come say hello, please. <laughs> very single, very single. <laughs> the only non-single okay. guy here. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she better not listen to this. <laughs> I, I was that was a character piece. I was playing him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, well that was awesome, guys. Honestly, I think we we should probably gotta wrap it up at this point yeah, but that I, was great I, my, eyes are, my eyes are going I so. keep yeah, yeah I'm, I'm out here blinking away but that was a lot of fun I had a great time yeah I man guys here. that was, was, that was, was fucking time, awesome man. thank you so much for yeah, having it flew by man it felt yeah. just like a regular podcast you know yeah. so uh, yeah. and it's not <laughs> so just tell us one more time if you want to remind us your show uh, dates and your handle yeah and where um, find you. you can find us at uh, at the comedy market on Facebook and Instagram so it's the comedy market all one word we have our current show is at heart and crown the next one's going to be i believe february 19th yeah um yeah we have a monthly show and then hopefully soon we'll have a weekly mic as well so that's what we're working towards yeah yeah we'll keep you up to up to date on that and make sure everybody everybody's aware of you know what what you guys have going on i'm going to do a lot of cross promotional stuff here that's awesome man really appreciate that yeah thanks a lot man appreciate it yeah thanks a lot for coming guys awesome and that's a wrap take care everybody track by rave republic check them out on spotify and instagram at rave republic